Hello everybody and welcome back to Season 5 of Sequelizers. Once again, I am your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me, my sequelizing compatriots, Mr. Matthew Stockton. Pigs! We did have a pre-discussion of like, God, there's, there's so many good quotes you can put <laughs> in this one. And Matt was like, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, listeners might not know Matt's not renowned for like having his little quote snippet prepared and uh, he just came straight away with thanks like, oh well just dead fucking locked eyes of me literally in the outtakes there's me going hello Jack <laughs> I was like yeah that's good oh yeah Jack Crawford yeah, I think... set him up yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then just thanks <laughs> oh dear sorry um, with a hopefully less terrifying dead stare into my eyes <laughs> A fellow sequelizer. That's more terrifying. Oh, Jesus God. Christ. Mr. Tim Matum. Have you accepted Jesus into your heart, Mr. Chambers? <laughs> there we go. That's good. That's, good. That's like the that. one. That's the one. Always go Gary. <laughs> Always go Gary, old man. <laughs> Always go Gary. Never go, but never go full Gary. No. That's, a, that's what we've learned. And this episode, we're fixing 2001's Hannibal. It's pretty crap. A bad film. A yeah. real bad film. Yeah. Like, I remember not hating it when I was like a teenager. Mm. And I was like, oh, that, that Hannibal. When we talked about it, I, was like, I don't remember Hannibal being that bad. I thought I thought Red Dragon was the bad one. Mm. Boy, did I get that on the wrong yeah. way. <laughs> Red Dragon is noticeably better than Hannibal. Which is weird, because if you look at the talent involved in who made it, you think, Ratner. Right? Shit. Yeah. But Norton is great in it, in Red Dragon. Oh yeah, no. no. And there's there's some brilliant things going on there. But Hannibal, yeah, he's so fucking boring. It's a difficult one because obviously Science of the Lambs so hugely successful, and Manhunter separately so. Um, and then the book comes out on high demand. I remember reading the book and thinking this is fine. Yeah, the the book wasn't particularly well received at the time no, either. Changed the dynamic too much. Yeah, and a lot of people were kind of like, oh. Thomas Harris is the original author of the books, is writing this to get a screenplay made out of it. Yep. Because he then wrote the screenplay. <laughs> because Thomas Harris does what Thomas Harris does. Yeah. He and likes to have control of Dr. Lecter and all his little adventures. It's it's a bit frustrating as well because there are people like Ridley Scott and Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> this is where we're going with this. Yep. Has has Ridley Scott once Blinded Pete. someone in a racist attack? <laughs> Probably. He is a Geordie. No, that's very offensive. Um, no, no, he, I, I couldn't say with any certainty, but Ridley Scott looks like he could. Yeah. Because he's quite aggressive looking. Yeah. Um, but no, Ridley Scott and Mike Wahlberg are two prime examples of exceptionally talented individuals and the worst person. <laughs> and it depends which one turns up on the day. Are you getting the departed Mark Wahlberg or are you getting... Pain and gain, Mark Wahlberg. He's f- no, he's terrible in that. No. Like that I was thinking garbage. more the the trees. <laughs> it's a transformer. Oh my God, are, are you getting executive producer of Entourage, Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> that's the thing. Which one is turning up? Well done, Tim. That's that's the call. <laughs> yeah, not even like Marky Mark is it's that one exactly with the Entourage. Um, and again, Ridley Scott. So he's like Ridley Scott's an amazing director. It's like. Yeah, not not always. All time great, right? <laughs> if you ignore half of his career, <laughs> that's the problem. Ridley Scott genuinely is a very hit and miss individual. He he comes out there with some like, like oh he did Gladiator and and Thelma and Louise and shit. Like, yeah, it's a good good point. And then you're like, and he also did some really ropey, boring stuff, and 
oh, I don't know, Alien Covenant. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, and it's not like this, oh, oh, it's the early years or the mid-wilderness season. It's like, no, it's always like this. It's not like yeah. he grows into a good filmmaker or started off, like, young no. and interesting, and as he's gotten older, he's kind of mellowed mm. out and gotten more boring. It's like, he'll go from masterpiece to fucking flop. Yeah. It's a real serious, like... It's strange. You know, yeah, it's kind of pendulum of a career that is mm-hmm. just bizarre. And... I would maybe say Ridley Scott is maybe the worst thing about this film. He directs it in such a way that everything is so uninteresting. And the cinematography of Silence of the Lambs is maybe some of the best. Mm. Like thriller, horror, character building stuff without anybody saying anything. Just the close-up shots used to build that kind of intimacy with the with Clarice and Dr. Lecter in the cells and things yeah. like that. But that also makes it very uncomfortable. It's horrible tense. Mm. Incredible weird tension with the mm. Buffalo Bill scenes as yep. well. And even at points you can't tell what's going on. Yes. But that's kind of the point. And it's purposefully disorienting and weird and and creepy. Mm. Whereas this is just really boring. Yeah. The lighting is weird. There's just odd choices of shots. People fall out of off screen and then come back in the screen for the next shot. And oh, it's just... He makes... Mean- he makes Florence look really boring. He does. It's like one of the most beautiful cities in the world. He really does. It feels very, again, strangely kind of shot for TV by a madman. And <laughs> it, it's it's amazing because the, whenever a director finds something new or a cinematographer finds something new in terms of like a quirk or a technique or something, they go, oh my God, this is amazing. And then puts it in the next four films and you think, oh, it's not your trope, it's shit. And they change their mind. In Gladiator, I think it was, which kind of picked up a little bit in in uh, Saving Private Ryan. I think it was an accident in Gladiator. Um, they were filming shots during the battle scenes in Germania, whatever. Mm. And because of, I don't know the exact terminology, but because of the frame rate being slowed down and things being cut out, it moves very blurry and weird mm. and like, a, like a hazy memory uh, of the intensity of what battle is like adrenaline. You're like, oh no, I get it. That makes sense. Yeah. But then he goes mental with it and does it all the time. Um, and he does it a lot through this film and it's always fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, I get the idea behind it. I know what they're trying to convey with it, but it looks cheap. It looks like a nasty... Uh, it, it hasn't aged at all. Well, it has, well. Speaking of age, it's a, I think it's partly the technique. It's used a lot when there's a weird amount of action scenes in this film for yeah. a sequel to Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. which is almost action-free apart from the bit where Hannibal escapes. Yeah. And... They try to make Anthony Hopkins like a physical presence, even though the dude is like a hundred years old at this point. <laughs> yeah, and like he's he's like a overweight old man. <laughs> he, you see him strapped into the thing with like the thing across his belly. And yeah. it's like Hopkins is not in good shape here, and that's not necessarily the role of Hannibal Lecter. No, he's an intelligent killer. Mm. He's a you know he's he's outsmarting. He's get psychological, getting in your mind and all yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. But they have him like fighting off people with guns and shit and just stabbing people and all this kind of fighting and bollocks. Yes. And I think it's stuff like that. Because he, when he does strike, he moves like a predator. He bites people's faces, he's tearing them off, he's beating them mm-hmm. to get death and all this kind of stuff. But he often weakens them in other ways first. Mm-hmm. This one, he's just like... I think that, that choice of shot is to make him seem like he's moving like a predator and yes. mm-hmm. faster than he actually is. As mm-hmm. Poor old Hopkins like waddles his way across the screen <laughs> and is like... Eh, eh. Yeah, there's some interesting things with Jonathan Demme's direction in the first one and the writing as well. Where um, you got the horrible, I think it's Meeks who's in the cell next mm. to Meeks. Yeah. Meeks, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, with a tissue, the jizz thrower. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it was a terrible man. I made him swallow his own tongue. You don't see it, but like 
the fuck? How how did you make him swallow his own tongue? Well, you yeah. actually hear it from Crawford first. That's, yes, that's like, right. Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, um, apparently Dr. Lecter whispered to himself and his cellmate killed himself. And it's like, and she realizes like, oh, he did that to protect me for yeah. me. And yeah. that's what's terrifying about you don't, and it's the opposite of George Lucas, who always just says, I'm going to describe things that are much more interesting and you're not going to see them. And you're like, oh, yeah. fuck's sake. Just show us <laughs> that. Whereas this one, you don't want to see it. Yeah. Because you're that's like, that's what makes Hannibal exactly. such an interesting mm. and complex character. I remember the trailer for the film because I was about 16, 17 when this came out. And I, again, at 14, 15, watched Silence of Lambs. Fucking loved it. We'll get more so on that later. You were absolutely mm. ready for this. I was like, ready for yeah, this shit. Yeah. And I, for a while, told myself it was all right because you do that when you're young. I did the same thing as a teenager. Yeah. I was a couple of years later, but yeah, yeah. absolutely. But the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. But um, then part of the marketing, you mentioned about the presence of Lecter, and I, I genuinely believe that Hannibal Caged is more interesting than Hannibal Loose. And not necessarily that it can't be, because the TV series, which we'll get back to again in a minute, mm-hmm. shows that it can be done in very interesting, very threatening ways. But this particular man, this particular iteration of it, works best in a certain scenario. Yep. Mm. And so, uh, I've, I've magnified a thing in the background there for you. It's Francesca de Pazzi. It's your, uh, it's your ancestor. <laughs> it's hung. And then he turns and says, I'm giving very serious thought to eating your wife. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> that's, that's not threatening and then he locks uh, in a sexy way do you want to join us in the bedroom <laughs> Dr. I, I hear Italians are not very good lovers <laughs> ah yes of course <laughs> um, and then he traps her uh, traps her by the ponytail and wrenches off the fucking fridge yeah. handle oh god yeah with the the fridge door ponytail thing yeah. what the fuck is that all about I'm a bite your face no I'm not I'm gonna kiss you oh yes <laughs> there was a South Park version of it where there's a guy prisoned who's like um Who's this fucked up kid in a prison or something like that? I think Bob Brady's trying to figure out a crime. He's like, oh, tell me, tell me about the, the things. Because it's been parodied endlessly mm, and course, really, yeah, very yeah. well. Because he's a terrifying character. Mm. People he's one think- of the most iconic, I guess, villains. He's a villain. Yeah, he's, he's a definitely villain. villain. Yeah. yeah, but he's a side character. Yes, exactly. And this film kind of does Jack Sparrow. Puts him in the spotlight. I completely yeah. agree with you. I yeah, absolutely. Calling it Hannibal is such a dangerous move. Yep, yeah, stupid. Because yeah. let's face it, Mason Verger is fucking scary. Yeah. And I didn't realise for years that it was Gary Oldman because he's not credited. He went uncredited. Yeah. He, he is credited on the DVD release, yes, I think. Is, that yeah. He's at the final credits he's <laughs> mentioned. And Gary Oldman as Mason Verger. <laughs> Astonishingly yeah. good. And terrifying. Yeah. Beautiful makeup in a surreal Horrible. way. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Pigs. And pigs. <laughs> pigs as well. Pigs. I, I I disagree that Ridley Scott is the worst culprit here, even though he is bad. Sure, I think it is the script. Uh, it's a combination. I think, yeah, I think I, I think yeah. because I think it seems fairly transparent that yeah, after um, like the book being written something like fifteen years earlier and the film coming out about ten years earlier. They suddenly turn. Thomas Harris suddenly turns around and goes, "Oh, by the way, I've got a great idea for a sequel. Also, uh, mm. it's going to go straight to film, basically." Yeah. It, was, um, it was like a two-year turnaround. Like Ninety-nine, this, yeah, ninety-nine yeah. to two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think there's so many fundamental flaws with this, and it feels it feels. I I've never read the the books, um, and I was I came quite late to Silence of the Lambs. I only watched it for the first time about four years ago mm. and this was my first time watching Hannibal I haven't seen Red Dragon haven't seen Manhunter okay. oh, okay. I've watched okay. have you seen the TV series I've watched bits of the Hannibal TV interesting. series interesting okay, okay. Um, I, I, I 
watched a few episodes of that and was like, I should probably watch Silence of the Lambs. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's watch... A, it's a prequel to Silence of the Lambs in a yeah. weird way. So yeah. But you want to um, see the good version, or the best version first, I imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, and to me, it is wild that Thomas Harris was responsible for writing this, and it makes me wonder how much changed in the adaptation between Silence of the Lambs, the novel, and the mm. film, because they feel... This feels like not quite a parody, but it feels like a bad imitation of someone writing Hannibal Lecter. It's yes, like, yes. oh, yes, he's cultured, so we'll put him in Florence and he'll be doing lectures about Dante. And, mm. like, there's very little of that. Like, the the original Silence of the Gr- Lambs is a lot grimier than mm. its reputation would have you believe. Like, there's a lot... There, even though Hannibal is this you know, elegant and cultured person. There's none of this fucking yeah, like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about God and I'm gonna talk about, you know, yeah. I'm gonna uh, I'm a I'm a scholar at an Italian museum now. Um and I think it loses so much in playing up to that image of him as cultured because they they the the great thing or one of the many great things about Anthony Hopkins' performance in Silence of the Lambs is that when he goes, when you have those moments of viciousness, he, he is like this kind of like caged animal. Like when you see him go for people, like yeah. it's like the veneer of civilization kind of drops off, and Absolutely. so you get mm. you get the idea that like yes, he is very intelligent and he is capable of psychological manipulation, but at the end of the day, he is a killer. Yeah, yeah. it's a mask he wears. It's a, yeah. it's a mask he wears, and well, lit, that moment is done very literally in the back of the ambulance where he yes. wears yes. the dude's face and like, oh, oh, to make sure he survives, he somehow survived. His whole face yeah. is all fucked up, and I, I was totally in. Like, yeah. oh wow, that he's really fucked that guy's face up. Yeah, and the body sits up and he takes the mask off. He's <laughs> pouring with blood, yeah. and he has that little smirk and just murders the dude. And yeah. yeah, so good, and yet that is the literal representation of that. Just, mm dropping the mask of like uh, yeah. oh by the way I'm spoiler here spoiler for you that's in the opening scene for Bad Boys for Life <laughs> it's still being parodied <laughs> what yep amazing what? I'm not saying any more than that you can enjoy that what <laughs> Will Smith wears Martin Lawrence's <laughs> face <laughs> nope you just have to see it for yourself I shan't <laughs> <laughs> that implies that we're gonna bother watching Bad Boys for Life I shan't it's one of the best Bad Boys films so maybe maybe it's yeah. the best Bad Boys film because that's that says a nothing. fairly low bar yeah Anyway, anyway, yeah, it's um, at least Anthony Hopkins didn't work, do like blackface with the mask. Mm-hmm. That, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's Martin like, Lawrence is massively ineffective. Like, oh my god, this person's nope, that's not a person. <laughs> that's that's somebody with another person's face on them. Um, we probably should do do a bit of a a, a biographical breakdown of who's seen what and what mm, we've yeah our experiences. Sure. So Tim, you start us there with a second. So you you hadn't seen. I mean, this is the thing that surprises me mm. because. I don't know why it always surprises mm. me, but it's the idea that I'm like, and I don't want to be a twat about it. You're going to be a twat about too, it. No, too often people say like, I can't believe you haven't seen this. It's like, yeah. well, obviously, there's time. We're all doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes there are certain inverted commas classics you mm. think, shit, really? And mm. it's, it's more the surprise because you just assume everyone's... But the thing is, after like they say that Simpsons and mm. everything else parodies it to death, you get this impression of it beforehand. And that, that's been a problem for me throughout the entire series it's of Trupalizers. Because yeah. mm. I am by far the probably the least versed in terms of classic films and knowledge and all that kind of stuff out of the history of sequelizers. So partly the reason why I was the host and not the, <laughs> <laughs> part of one of the original teams. And 
I've had that problem throughout this whole thing of like, I never seen the original. I haven't seen, oh, this is a remake of the thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've never seen mm-hmm. not the thing, the thing. You know what I mean? Remake yeah. of the original. Yeah. And I'm stuck in that kind of. I'm coming. I'm coming to this with 2019 eyes or 2020 eyes or whatever. Mm. And I've, I've mentioned this previously. I see things parodied through The Simpsons all the time, and I yeah. consumed a lot of my pop culture in the 90s through The Simpsons. Of like, oh, I've seen that a million times in other stuff, and I've never seen the original, mm. which was a huge problem in throughout that. Like, which is slightly true of the audience. A lot of the audience, yeah. in fact, yeah. and a lot of these generations, because the film was about classics. Now it's like, well, it's not really a classic. It's only 10 years old. Oh, hang on a minute. No, it's not. It's <laughs> fucking 30 years old. Yeah. I I had that very moment watching. Um, I can remember watching Silence of the Lambs for the first time mm. because there's a moment in 30 Rock <laughs> that parodies it where go. it's got uh, Alec Baldwin's playing um, poker with Jack McBride's character. Sure. Um, and um, he does the whole... Um, the, the speech that Lecter gives to uh, Clarice where it's like... Um, Oh, uh, was your um, was your father a coal miner? Does he smell of the lamp? Yeah. And and um, and uh, Alec Baldwin basically does a parody of that. And yes. I did not know that that was a parody when I first watched the. No, exactly. Um, right. And then I watched Silence of the Lambs, and I was like, "This you is this is very familiar." <laughs> oh, okay. I see how that works. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm now brought on all the in jokes. Yeah. Now I get it. Yeah, yeah. itchy little shoes. <laughs> and I must admit, this is the other thing as well because I didn't understand. It sounds maybe strange to say this at 14 or 15 minutes of the film. It's like, I don't get it. What's trailer trash? What's the problem? Mm. She's an FBI. And this is, it sounds like me being far too progressive. I was like, she's an FBI agent. Why are you being disrespectful? It's like, mm, yeah. oh, because she came from Because he's an arrogant, pompous. Mm. And, oh, yeah. I understand. And I, she has I a ship on her shoulder. Like I said, I saw the Silence of the Lambs as a teenager like you did, Matt. Mm. And I didn't pick up on that at all. I just no. thought, huh, Jodie Foster's doing a weird accent in this film. That's an interesting <laughs> choice. <laughs> yep. just, West Virginian, like, oh, country girl kind of accent. I was like, sure, whatever. Yeah. And then he, yeah, re-watching it for this, I was like, oh, yeah, he's actually picking up. And he does an impression of her. Mm, he yes. says, like, oh, you're a little country girl. <laughs> and he, like, swaps his accent. Because, yeah. first of all, Hopkins' accent is fucking weird. Oh, God. Because <laughs> Hannibal Lecter is Lithuanian in the books, but never yes. really addressed. Raised in Paris. Raised in like Paris, that, yeah. and he travels around, blah, blah, blah. He's, the, he's a man of European culture and various different... Yes. things but his accent is mental yes he's sometimes american sometimes english mm-hmm. does little he like bounces people's accents back at them and mm-hmm. stuff like that purposefully which, which is, is nice. which is either anthony hopkins is like i'm just gonna make up some voices or it's a fucking masterpiece and i can't decide which one it is there's um andrew scott when he played when he first appears in Moriarty yes. in the BBC Sherlock, yes. did a very clever thing where his accent kind of wandered between. There was like Irish and Scottish yes. and Welsh That's and right. English, yeah. and and that was that was exceedingly clever. And you you kind of hope that it's the same thing. Yeah, where it's like, yeah. Mm. I, I remember that moment where he's talking to Sherlock and he's kind of he kind of has the bouncing again Cumberbatch's mm. posh accent back mm. at him, yeah. but he does the burn the heart or mm. burn the heart, and he goes heart, and I'm like, oh, you're Irish now, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. A, I must be Andrew Scott Andrew would Scott. be a good fucking Hannibal. Uh, yep. Actually, mm. can we back up a second? Good uh, Hannibal, bad Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> no, Andrew Scott, good crow. Benedict Cumberbatch, bad crow. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> uh, so, you'd seen yeah, so you late to the party with yeah. that one. You've seen Hannibal around the same time? Did you say? Or no, just, no. This was my first, this first time viewing of it. Shit, okay. Watching Hannibal. And the others, Manhattan and Dredge, you hadn't seen. No, interesting. No Hannibal Rising, no Red Dragon. Oh, Hannibal Rising, I forget that one every time. Yeah, no Manhunter. Yeah. Manhunter, okay. yeah, okay. Nothing. Okay, Jack, what about you? Everything. 
<laughs> you're you're pulling a me. I I I love me some Hannibal. No, I get since, it. I get since it. I watched, um, weirdly enough, I think it was actually Hannibal this film that got me into the character because I didn't truly appreciate really? Silence. Why well, as a teen, I don't know what. I was no, doing. no, I found that interesting. Teenage yeah. Jack's a fucking idiot. He know what he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, twenty-nine-year-old Jack barely knows what he's fucking talking about at this point. We'll, we'll get to that later on. No, I got it. I got it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's this weird thing of like. That's a really interesting character. I wonder if there's extra like bits and pieces out there. Mm. And by the time I was a teenager, Red Dragon's already out. I've gone yeah. back. I've gone back to yeah. see Manhunter. My mum is a huge like psychological thriller. I mentioned her love of CSI and stuff. She loves mm. a crime drama, Scandinavian My mum likes a lot of crime drama. Kind it's of thing a mum well. thing. It's a thing yeah. And she loves some Hannibal. And we very much bonded over the TV series because mm. a, lo- a lot of what me and my mum have in common is taste in films and, and TV series and stuff like that. It's very much something I've inherited from her. Sure. And we would just like, every time there was an episode, we would just call each other and be like, oh my, Mads Mikkelsen's mm. so good. Yeah, he is. God, he's sexy but scary but so good. <laughs> it's so weird. Why don't they just kiss? Oh, they do kiss. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, and it was this weird thing. And I kind of, I've only read... Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs. Yep. Um, and I've only seen Hannibal. I think I've not seen all of Hannibal Rising. I might have given up because that film is <laughs> fucking terrible. It it's, is terrible. It's the worst. It's the worst of all of them. It is. Um, yeah. I like Red Dragon. I prefer it to Hannibal. Don't like Hannibal. And I was saying to Matt before we started recording, I hadn't really appreciated Silence of the Lambs until I rewatched it for this. And I hadn't seen it. Like I said, I saw it as a teenager and then... I might have watched it once or twice in between now and then in the last sort of 10 years mm. or so. But I'm not sure if I had. And I rewatched it early this week. I was like, fuck, this is a masterpiece. <laughs> this yeah. is why it gets all the... It, it's famously like one of the greatest performances ever from yeah. both Foster and Hopkins mm. are both heralded as like these all-time great performances. And yep. Hannibal then became this iconic character and all this kind of stuff. I was like, is it that good? I was like, yeah, it is. Mm. Even like you, like you said, Matt, twenty nine years later, yeah, it is fucking spectacular. And the performances and the chemistry and the direction and the script are all just perfectly meshed together. It's very much a nineties masterclass. Yeah, it and is. Like it this is. is what the nineties can yeah. be. Mm. And then if you think like other big dark nineties things with crime and all sorts of things in terms of how they project on film, there's some really key examples. But we'll later. and it, and it costs a, a huge shadow in turn. Like you know, you go to other films of that kind of similar genre. You look at something like Seven, which came along, and mm. obviously Fincher has a very unique vision. But you, like you don't get John Doe without Hannibal Lecter. That's absolutely very absolutely true. very true. Yeah. My my journey with it is also uh, kind of bad. So <laughs> I watched the first one because it's like oh. There's a guy who's a cannibal and oh that's all cool stuff. And I'll watch it for the goriness. Then I watch this police procedural and fall in love with it because like this is fucking fantastic. Yeah. And the characters are so interesting and quirky and unique and ge- and just brilliant. So I watched it, loved it, read the book, loved that too. Yep. Uh, then a couple of years and then I, I I had already seen Manhunter. Oh, interesting. It was on the television. So was Manhunter your introduction? That probably was, but I didn't make the connection. I was going to say, mm-hmm. I saw Manhunter without realizing it was the same character yeah. as well. I had no fucking idea. Mm-hmm. Controversial statement. Manhunter's overrated. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, fine. All the Michael Mann fans just, you know, I, I know, I know the, the significance. Man fans. fans. I know the significance. I, I don't care. It's look shot for TV. I like, uh, there's some yeah. good stand up bits, but I don't, I don't care. Direction is boring and flat, but yeah. again, talking about performances, you got Will, William Peterson as Will Graham. He's yep. great. And Brian Cox's lecture is interesting, interesting take yeah. on it. 
It's nothing like Hopkins. It's nothing like Mickelson. No. And for me, Hopkins and Mickelson are in a class of their own in terms of that thing. What, of, what about Gaspar Ulliel? You can fuck off with your Gaspar Ulliel. <laughs> He's garbage in that movie as well. Um, trash yeah, film. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Matt. So because I'd seen that and I, I had the epiphany at that age that this was a specifically significant film to go full James Lipton. Um, <laughs> a formative piece. Everything that came after I realised was bad. So I was saying like Hannibal's like, oh, it's okay. It's like, no, it's not as bad. Then you watch Red Dragon and go, this is pretty good. It's like, it's fine. Yeah. And then Hannibal Rising, that's got some moments. And that's shit. And then Hannibal the TV series. Now this week it's tricky because Hannibal the TV series, I really enjoy, but that's a very different animal. You Mm. cannot... Very you much can't so, yeah. really grade a TV series versus a film yeah, because it's more time to develop things also it's more time to get sagged down in the weight of it all also it's not of a science lamb story it's the prequel stuff mm. which means it's trying yep. to deal with all the red dragon things yep. etc you then having you can't not compare the performances between mm-hmm. like Hopkins and things but interestingly Mads Mikkelsen and his the scripts that are given to him put less feet wrong than Hopkins because only in the course of like three films uh, with Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, Red Dragon. Um, he does an amazing formative performance in, in Silence of the Lambs. Thanks, James. <laughs> in Red Dragon, he's fine again. He's just bringing it back a bit. Mm. Hannibal, he almost kind of ruins it, yeah. nearly. Yeah. Um, by taking away everything that was special about it. I mm. get the impression Hopkins wasn't happy with Hannibal and he I, didn't I, want to come back neither did I, Foster yeah, yeah. he didn't want to he wouldn't want to come back and neither did Jodie Foster they tried to bring them both back yeah they eventually both turned it down and they then had to talk Hopkins and um the producer whose name escapes me mm. um was saying we don't have this film if we don't have Anthony Hopkins no, we are not we are not. not doing a Hannibal film without mm. Anthony Hopkins we cannot do this he won a fucking Oscar mm. he is Hannibal we need him to be in Hannibal which is weird because I think you unless you do a new story who isn't about Starling you can't do it with Foster either yeah without, without huge Foster, fucking Foster. problem for Hannibal is that Jodie Foster doesn't come back yeah because she is so good in that first film I agree and like I said obviously she didn't go underappreciated it's now hailed mm. as like an all time great yeah. performance she got an and, and a well, career defining yeah. performance and Oscar winning mm. performance exactly yeah. I haven't appreciated it until I rewatched it recently mm. but fucking hell she would have improved Hannibal it's such but, a because Julianne was a good actor. It's yeah, just that it's, she's not the, right ca- for the, role. I, the character fundamentally changes between the two films as well. Oh, I think she I think just it... goes in this weird like oh she's disgraced cop now. I'm like what? Yeah, why has she gone from she's a hero at the end of Silence of the Lambs? Mm. She's just graduated from the academy mm. and she's on the it, like ascension in her career and all this kind of stuff. I, mean, I get the fact that everyone resents her because it, that comes across so well in the first film. Yeah, in Silence of the Lambs, it's like who the fuck is this woman? But yeah, mm. there's a, there's a brilliant underlying sexism throughout the whole thing yeah mm, and genius. jodie foster and um jack crawford yes um mm, scott, they, glenn. scott glenn play off that brilliantly and and crawford's in this weird situation like everybody is making like sexual remarks about mm. including hannibal to try and get under mm. her skin yeah whether he's a sexual creature or not doesn't particularly matter mm, sure. he's kind of doing it to freak her out mm. and then crawford has a couple of those and like uses her as a woman as like a tool mm. and is a bit of a dick about it and then kind of supports her and mm. then realizes he should be supporting her by the end of the film and mm. it's kind of this weird his little journey it's, of being it, coming to respect her is interesting and then everybody else is just like oh fucking what's this woman doing over here? everybody yeah. at the training academy is just mm. an asshole to her it's mm. su- it's such a like i think this is one of the fundamental disappointments of hannibal is that 
Silence of the Lambs is about so much. It's about gender. It's about class. Yep. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. about like sexuality. Um, it's about the kind of damage our your past does to you and stuff like that. And yeah. there's there's all these fascinating themes running through it. And then you get to Hannibal, and it's like, uh, it's kind of about God, and also Hannibal's in love with her now. Here's uh-huh. some gore. Here's some that, gore. That's your lot. Yeah. Um, have some pigs. Have some pigs. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and like it's, we said, Julianne Moore's a great actress, yeah. but I think yeah, it's the the fact that you they try and do this kind of like because the fact it's obviously coming back ten years later. Um, it's another problem we'll address. Yeah, yeah, and they try and do that kind of like, oh well, she's had a whole career, and now you know that we're joining her later in her career. But it doesn't. Nothing about it feels like a natural progression for her. You don't get the impression that she is ten years more experienced than ten years. No, gone from the academy to like you know perhaps one of the like higher ranking agents, one of the more respected yeah. agents or whatever, sure. and she's like and the- fought tooth and nail to get that recognition. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like the the case that they have her screw up at the beginning doesn't feel like the kind of case she should be involved in. It's this weird sting operation on like a drug dealing yeah. like a drug dealer. It's like she was in the behavioural analysis thing. She should still be dealing with fucking serial killers and serial killers. Yeah, because absolutely. because weirdly, even though it took me so long to watch Silence of the Lambs uh, one of the crime procedurals that I really enjoy is uh, Criminal Minds. Oh, interesting. Um, which is all about the behavioural an- analysis unit yes. and dealing with serial killers and stuff like that. And so, That's what the FBI is all about. Yeah, and so it, it's really weird seeing the parallels between that and kind of like, no, she should basically be like, she should be the, the main character of her own procedural TV series. Like, yes. With a, so, with a little... Like, and like Mindhunter is another example of that yes, as well. Like exactly. Mindhunter coming back and bringing that kind of procedural behavioural science unit thing into the mainstream again as well. Yeah, yep. she should have a little gang of her own yep. that are like her protégés and her trust, trusted allies mm. going around the country solving these horrible serial killer murders. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like the fact that they basically just put her in like, oh, well, she's just like an agent in charge of this raid. Um, and then it fucks up because the local police are shit. Yeah. and don't respect and that's her, her fault apparently. and they and they and they try and they try they have these very like um that moment and like ray liotta's character Liot- liotta 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 um because he's a little otter um, <laughs> he's weirdly enough he's recast as well because yeah krendler the agent is in the silence of the lambs as well it's yeah. just like mm. a completely different dude didn't make that connection until i rewatched yeah, silence yeah. of the lambs <laughs> uh, earlier this week i was like huh I, I obviously know because mm. the famous scene, the brain scene in mm. with yes. Ray Liotta is, you know, that's Paul Krender, that's that character. Never occurred to me he was also in Silence of the Lambs, played by a completely different dude. Yeah. But he's in it for like 20 seconds. So that's kind of the point, isn't yeah. it? So it's like, yeah. you can't bring them back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you have those little moments of like, and, and of quite fucking uh, unsubtle sexism in it, where he's just like, oh, I want to sleep with you. Um, Which again... Being a 90s film, at the start of the 90s, Silence mm. the Lambs is really... Because Jonathan Demme's always been very much on the fucking ball with that stuff. Mm. I mean, after he did Silence of the Lambs and people were saying, this is a bad film because it basically does the age-old Hollywood coding, gay guy is bad guy. Mm. And he's like, no, no, mentally unstable person's bad mm. guy, but I hear what you're saying. I will now address this... Well, not address it. I will now do a film. And he goes, Philadelphia, for fuck's sake. Mm. And he's like, I'm going to do the, the seminal film about... 
aids in the gay community yeah. that no one wants to touch, for lack yeah. of a better word. Yeah. Um, and he's always an interesting individual. That's why it's always a bit of a shame that he's only sort of disappears and then Rachel getting married, which I know Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, yeah. Exactly. And so, as you say, a film that says so much, and then you get Ridley Scott's film, which you'd think, okay, now what's the issue of the 2000s? What are we going to say mm. here? What's the thing now? Jesus. Turns out, nothing. There's nothing it, to be said. Just to go back to that, the the kind of the queer coding of, of Buffalo Bill and stuff. Yes. I found it very interesting that you have a film made in, you know, the 90s, very early 90s, yeah. where it has, it makes a point of um, Jodie Foster basically says like, no, being violent is not a transsexual thing. And they're like, yeah, no, it's, he's not a, psychopath because he's a trans he's like he's not even a trans transgender person like he's something different different and he's trying to wear a suit made of a person that's not a case of somebody who's either shifting orientation or feels who they are inside Mm. or anything like that it's the sake of this is a person who is mentally unstable yeah this this is someone who yeah like is fucked up and this is the thing that they have latched onto rather than like yeah, no they're not they're, fucked up because of that yeah of where they are exactly yeah. and i think that's the interesting as you say that commentary is something that's surprising it's subtle as well in mm. a weird way because these things are dismissed with like eh, shut the fuck up yeah what do you know woman um and then she's the one who rocks up at his house that's a yeah. great, great yeah, moment yeah. they're all like about storm in mm. and he goes upstairs and again not, not. it's been done a million times oh. but team a is in this house yeah. and team b which is the protagonist alone is going to this <laughs> yeah. other location. I don't want to say it did it first because it definitely didn't, but no. it did it well. I think, I think very it early. defined it for a generation. Mm. Very that's, certainly. that's the version I now think of. Yeah. And like I said, it's been parried a million times before. And it's still like, so tense. Simultaneous kicking in the doors and like, mm-hmm. oh, and she just rings the doorbell. Mm. Yeah. And the POV shots and the fucking night vision things. Oh my God, that's so terrifying. Yeah. Where he's like, just, just touching her barely oh. stroking her and then, hair and stuff and then in fucking Hannibal we get the Hannibal on the merry-go-round <laughs> fuck off you're trying fuck to find me I'm behind yeah. you oh maybe not oh. His, and, I, and I know I just railed against uh, like earlier in the episode about like Silence of the Lambs is a lot grimier and like Hannibal isn't as fancy as we think he is mm. and yet the fact that Anthony Hopkins sends, spends so much of this film in like sweatpants and a <laughs> yeah. fucking hoodie. I'm like, no, I never want to see Hannibal because because as he much just as looks sharp like your granddad suits, or nothing. Yeah, it's, oh, it's he, your granddad coming down for breakfast. He's got his slippers on. I got a cap oh, and sunglasses. It, it, his, his t-shirt's a bit too small for mm. him now. Bless <laughs> him, his little belly sticking out. Yeah, because as much <laughs> Poor as old granddad, <laughs> as much as that civility is a mask, it's a mask that's an important to the character, and so he wouldn't slob around in shitty clothes. That's yeah. the whole fucking point. Yeah, he, even even if it was like, well, I'll get caught if I don't do this. Like, I don't care. Yeah, I will always have a bit of a class and things. It's it's, it's literally. To, to the degree that it would end up probably killing him or getting caught, it doesn't matter because it's like, yeah. I'm not one of you. Yeah. Did he end Silence of the Lambs dressed to the nines with a yeah. silly wig on and a hat on and stuff? Yeah. yeah. But he's dressed like a fancy fucking tourist. Yeah. Dude. Like, yeah. And another thing that annoyed me, this is just mine and niggles now, and I, I don't know if this sh- shows up in uh, anywhere else in the franchise. Yeah, I'll, I'll um, let you know. It annoyed me that he smoked in Hannibal. Weird, isn't it? Because it's like... This is a guy who, like, it, he can analyse fucking, like, Clarice's perfume 
by just like the waft of it, would have yeah. to be, and yeah. it's like so his senses would have to be heightened. Like he also tastes is, things he, so distinctly. Yeah, taste is so important to him, obviously, because he's a I cannibal. Mean, if, if you take the Mads Mikkelsen thing, that's fucking all he's about. Is yeah. the yeah. delicious fucking meals. Yeah, like you yeah. know, he's a character who's you know got cookbooks in his jail cell and stuff like that. He would not be fucking dulling his palate with no, cigarettes. I couldn't agree more. I do think he could get away with like. I do like a specific cigar every now and again, or a certain pipe, as a yes. certain je ne sais quoi. D- d- yeah, but to be not. A fancy I'm a chain yeah. smoker. Yeah, not just stuff. not just I'm just fucking down a Benson and a Hedges. Yeah, <laughs> it's like no, that's that's cheap shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, he does. He's kind of guy who has all those long extended. Uh, oh, like a cigarette cats. holder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's such cheap. Like Quella like, Deville stuff. Oh. <laughs> We're in Europe now where they smoke because it's Ooh. fancy. And you're, it's Ridley Scott, for fuck's sake. Mm. He knows better. He doesn't. He does not. He definitely does not. No. The whole the whole Florence stuff, as well as just feeling like, ah, oh, look, look, we're civilised, we've got European actors in this. Mm. Um, it's a film for grown-ups, even though it's pretty fucking adolescent. And yeah. um, it's the first, like, half an hour... Maybe more. It's more than that. It's, it's, it's like, like the 45 first... minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it, feel, it feels like the first hour. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Because um, this film feels way longer than it needs to yeah. be. But and yeah, <clears throat> fucking nothing happens. Because no. everything happens in Florence, with, mm. like you said, with Patsy, and he mm. hangs him. And he his things are quite interesting. He disembowels him and his, his, him. Mm. Trying to confirm it's him is interesting. Their chemistry is maybe one of the better things about the film, actually. Yeah. And mm. Weirdly yeah. enough, the, the Hannibal um, Patsy chemistry. Mm. If. Patsy wasn't killed and actually came back and was a significant thing mm. to mm. anything in the rest yeah. of the fucking movie. He dies and then we never address Florence ever again. Mm. We're just nope. in a completely different place for the rest of the movie. Like, Done. Yeah. Moving on. Like it's a Why film. was this in the film then? Yeah. Why didn't Hannibal just talk about it? Or why wasn't it the first 10 minutes and then we move on? Cold open. Yeah. Him and Patsy. Patsy's yeah. been tracking him down for years. He's got Interpol knowledge from the FBI in America. He mm. mentions... Oh, I spoke to Agent Starling, blah, blah, mm. blah. Hannibal kills him, and then we go to Clarice. Yes. And it played by the correct character. <laughs> also... Spoilers, I'm writing this one, <laughs> and I will address some of this stuff in my pitch. But, yeah. yeah. Also, this is definitely a script written by someone who does not understand how computers and accessing files oh, work. Oh, God, no. Where it's like, oh, well, if you've looked at the FBI's most wanted list, then I have your data on my computer. <laughs> That's how that works. That's... I... I could be wrong, I'm remembering it incorrectly, but in Science of the Lambs, he decorates his cell with pictures that he's drawn from memory. Mm. He draws Clarice. Yes. Clarice. And he, plays he lovely draws, classical music. He draws Florence, doesn't he? He, he draws yes, the, he does. the, the view from the Duomo. He does, yes. yeah. So why would he go and hide there? Yeah. <laughs> well, she would go, well, because he really it, liked Florence. Day one. Let's go and track him down in Florence. Yeah. Because at the end, he says, oh, uh, I won't pursue you if you don't pursue me, Clarice. And she goes, I can't guarantee that. I'm coming after your ass. Yeah. Mm. And then he goes, oh, like, well. oh, well. See you in... I mean, I've um, got an old friend for dinner. Yes. Oh, puns. Yeah. The original script actually cuts to him with... And I will address this in my script, because it might be one of my scenes. Oh. Uh, what, actually, what he's actually doing and what he's up to oh, and all that kind of stuff, okay, rather okay. than just, I'm having a friend for dinner, cut fade away way. as he yeah, wanders yeah. off. Um yeah, they actually addresses that and is a bit more in- cemented. Yeah, a bit more cemented, which I might be interesting <clears throat> talking about in my script. But again, it's it's the fact that I, I, they have the awkward position of a starting point of coming out with a book that nobody particularly likes, mm. but you kind of have to do it. They have a book that not only nobody really is very fond of, but the actors in question, the central pivotal roles, are individuals who don't like the story. 
you have to coax him back. It takes a lot of difficult work. And they really only get Hopkins back, I want to say, because of money. I assume so, yeah. Yeah. From the impression I got was, yeah, we mentioned it earlier, like they, mm. they found it very difficult to bring either of them back. And they basically chucked all the money at Hopkins. And he was pissed off with the whole film in general. And then tried to make Red Dragon as like a... An apology, basically. Kind of exactly. comes, it comes really soon. It's like a year it's after. Next, it's the next year. It's 2001 yeah. and 2002. So it's like he tried to do Red Dragon. It was a bit of a palate cleanser, to be fair. It is. It is, yeah. Um, and like I, said, I, was I, a prefer, shout, yeah. I prefer Red Dragon to Hannibal. So do I. Considerably. Yeah. Which, but, again, is very, very strange to say, but it, it's true. It's a low mm. bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Neither of them come anywhere close to Silence of the Lambs. No, no. Because no, no. nothing does. Yeah. It's this, this very high bar set by the first one. Yes. Um... Jumping back to, to Florence, part of me... As the film does not. Yeah, <laughs> part of me does wonder, and again, this is like... I, I have not looked into the production of this film and like how the writing of the book factored into like sure. how, how far along they were in production and stuff like that already. Um, but part of me does wonder if it's um, like they... Because Ridley Scott lives in France, and like oh, a hell. few years after this, made uh, that terrible uh, Russell Crowe wine film. Oh, good where, Yeah, where it's just like <laughs> just bumming around in France, and part of me wonders if it's it's almost like Excuse yeah, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to go far. Like I don't want to travel back to America. Italy's nice. Let's go film there. I'll I drink mean, some what, nice wine. That's what Kubrick did most of the time. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Kubrick didn't like the fly, so he shot everything in Britain. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think I think there's, there's probably something, maybe something to that, but mm. ultimately the trickier thing is that they reworked the script a lot of times over mm. and they shot two endings mm. um, that really weren't that different. Um, because I can't stress this enough. I cannot stress this enough. The final shot of the film is him on the plane. Oh, mother, God. With, with his bandage fucking... and the yeah. little kid. He should always try to do things. Blah, 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 blah. And then <laughs> it does like a weird sort of iris out to yes. his eye. Like, oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. Like, the fuck is this? I, so yeah. I, the, uh, I watched the Nostalgia Critic video for this oh, of, yeah. of him and his brother talking about it. And, and they just go, it does. It feels like a fucking movie tune. It's ridiculous. And it's another thing. I think that's a product of making Hannibal the main fucking character is that he is the poster. Most of the Silence of the Lambs and the DVD cover is, well, technically there are two. Yes, there are two. Carry on, sorry. The big theme is the fucking moth. Mm, that's and the true. moth appears all over the place and is a key part of the first mm. film. Mm. Huge part of the marketing. A lot of the marketing, you do not see Hopkins' face mm. at all. No. The DVD cover I have is Jodie Foster's face with the moth on it and that's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Fucking Hannibal's marketing, he's 100% Anthony mm. Hopkins. <clears throat> Julianne Moore's in the corner there somewhere. <laughs> like she's, she's on the back of the His DVD cover. His face looks fine. weird like he's a demon. He does, He's got yeah. weird red cat. He looks like a fucking witcher or something. Like, like, hello. Cat eyes, yeah. They're turning him into this weird, like, universal monster type character. Yes. Where he's this weird. Oh, he would fit right in with Gilman and Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he wouldn't. He's a fucking human. Well, this again, isn't a supernatural series. People, he is just a creepy dude. Yeah, people talk about him in the same. I don't know why, but in the same breath as like, well, you get the big '90s and '80s killers. You had like uh, Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and uh, Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter. Lecter. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> Hannibal Lecter. There's magical resurrections and demons from dream realms, yeah. and then 
he's just a bloke, just but a, a very scary bloke. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, that's way scarier to me. Yeah, and the thing just a bloke. Because I said earlier, the thing that got me into the film in the first place was just catching up on uh, horror films in general mm. and think, oh, this must be like a cool Hannibal the Cannibal. I'll do it. Exactly. And then yeah. the thing is, oh, he's actually kind of not in this film. Mm. And then it's not true because he's in the film a lot, obviously, yeah. but not in the way you were expecting. Mm. But in, from the advertising, of course you're not expecting that. Yeah, yeah. Anthony so, Hopkins isn't that huge name he is now. This mm. made him pretty much effectively, well, yeah. and essentially. Mm. In the first film, in Silence of the Lambs, he has about 16 minutes of screen time. Yeah. Out of the entire fucking thing. But they're so formative. And, but he defined the whole movie with mm. the hello Clarice and all the mm. and all that kind of yeah. shit. And the removing the face and stabbing the guys and, and biting and the guys' nose off. And even just walking down the corridor and you get yep. all the psychopaths and it's just him standing there. And yep. that's yeah. so iconic. And yeah. just his face in his prison he cell. He just looks like a normal guy. The lighting in his cell before yeah, the lights come yeah, on and all that yeah. kind of stuff. All the iconic shots you think of outside of maybe a couple of like Buffalo Bill and stuff like that yeah. is Hannibal mm. but that's like 10% of the film and yeah. the other he also does a minutes. fantastic job of um, the the Tom Hardy eye acting so when he's oh, we're about to lose yeah. the scene is like love your suit and it's like <laughs> oh, you greasy fucker yeah he's just fantastic and you mentioned he says like um, very nice bag Terrible shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wear a, you usually wear layer de tongue, but <laughs> not today. <laughs> Fuck, that's terrifying. Yeah, he can <laughs> tell like, you what perfume you usually wear because you're wearing a jacket where you would yeah. have worn mm. that a couple of days ago. Fuck. It's it's very yeah, yeah. interesting. And it, again, the moments... I talk about that, like the touching of the hair, for mm. example, on the and, and the unnecessary closeness is like... I'm in love with you and you're like why would you ever just say you love me and mm. stop stop because you love me and it's like kiss me damn don't it. be so pathetic I, yeah, would, I would dress you in a black cocktail dress while you're unconscious for some reason like, what yeah what What do you guys think of that as, as people who are much more kind of familiar with the front sure. how do you feel about that because I fucking I fucking hated it I agree he with you he shouldn't have any he should be as as okay how can I phrase this in my opinion, Hannibal should be the most uh, single-mindedly focused blinkered vision on something until he gets ADHD-style distracted by something else and go, ooh. Mm. And should be like, so for example, like, you are the most important case in my life. The most... Int- oh, hello. A car has passed by. <laughs> the most beautiful car I've ever seen in the world. It, oh, should, it should be James Lipton giving an introduction <laughs> until yes. someone else comes along and he has to give an has introduction. introduction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's this doing- is the other actor I've always wanted to have. <laughs> He's introducing an ensemble cast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the most... Brilliant actor I've ever seen in the world, John Hamm. Oh, a closely followed by the most beautiful woman in the world, mm. Christina Hendricks. Oh, and also, and it's just, he can't fixate on one individual. Mm. And even if it's like, well, Clarice is the one person he does fixate mm. on. And it's like, sure, but not, that's my girl. It's, it, feels, it feels so mundane to yeah, have that be the nature of their relationship. It's, like, it's way it, more interesting if it's not sexual or romantic. Yeah. Because the touch of the finger when he hands the file over mm. is terrifying. Yes. yes. Little brush. Slapping her hair. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I touched her hair. It smells like Pantene Pro-V. <laughs> it is wow, ulti- you really are worth it after all. <laughs> Herbalescences. Yeah. I, re- I really. Oh, he just starts doing orgasmic noise. <laughs> cut to him when he's on the fucking carousel, and it's like he touches the hair, and then he just like grabs hold of the unicorn he's riding, and goes wee. <laughs> the thing that gets me is <laughs> I don't know. I keep making Simpsons references, but that's the Homer must mm, kill, kill Mo. Wee. <laughs> must kill Mo. Wee. Curse you, Simpsons. <laughs> 
Um, the thing that is maybe unfair is is um, idol worship and iconography in a way, or just mm-hmm. icons in general. In the in a very short period of time, just ten years, um, Clarice Starling and Hannibal Lecter have become these elevated cinematic figures, and they've become a way that. You know, realistically, yes, we can have them having some sort of innate sexual desire for each other. Mm. That's fine. You could do that if you wanted to. It's but the problem is, as an audience, we're like, don't don't taint them like that. Mm. Make them more complicated. Don't make mm. them base like they're, us. They're such multi-dimensional, complex characters in the yeah. first one. Like talking about the sense of class. Yes, that yes. is such an important part mm. in the first one, and how she tries to cover up that she's a country girl, and the fact that he notices it instantaneously it's, and looks down on yeah. her for it and all this kind of stuff that dynamic is so inherently built in there and then it doesn't matter when i realized he's just a psychologist who's using his powers for evil it's yep. like mm. oh yeah now i get it he's he's drilling down finding everything about you within a couple of seconds and rather than saying quid we need pro to... quo clary yes yeah, you tell me something i'm bored <laughs> um and subsequently rather than trying to heal you with it which he kind of does in a way who helps her make her stronger mm. in a weird twisted Feel way quieten the lambs clary they're screaming <laughs> That's unfortunate. You'll keep chasing them, Clarice. I farted ten minutes ago. <laughs> it will escape my cell in a couple of minutes. It has You'll a s- spell it too. Has a slight elderberry. Jouif. It's a there's a metallic tang to it, for I've just eaten a census taker's liver. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's from um Hannibal, isn't it? The the, the like sucking on a greasy penny. Yes, I, I do, there's yeah. a few bits yeah, in the script. I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's nice. Mm. But there's not enough of them. There's literally a handful of those. Like, mm. oh, that's a good Hannibal line. Mm. That's shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good Hannibal line. To eating your wife. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bows in like, or bows even, even his delivery of that famous like with fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> Why did you say? Chianti. <laughs> Are you William Shatner? <laughs> it's a, such a weird delivery. It's, but yeah. again, is that Hopkins? Is that Lecter? I don't know. No, but I that kind of works because Lecter is this weird. It's lightning in a bottle. He's the, he's the dark mm. mirror reflecting back at the person looking at him, yeah. drilling down into them kind of thing. Is this the chameleon yeah. performance or is it just Ex- yeah. acting is, weirdness? Is it, is it Hopkins acting or Lecter <laughs> acting? Who knows? Like, is Nicolas kind of Cage mental or is Nicolas Cage a genius? A fucking genius. <laughs> he's a fucking genius. Tim? <laughs> Genius. Thank yeah, you, genius, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Tim knows. Cage is genius. Cage hashtag Cage should have been Superman. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. but I'm kidding. I want to. I, I, t- I tell you what. Now though, Uh-oh. Cage should be Lex Luthor. Oh, oh my God. Oh. We're not ready for that, sir. <laughs> no one is ready for that. But that's why we need it. <laughs> um, that's a good shout, Tim. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Mm. <laughs> We're going to end the episode there, and then we're just going to sit here thinking <laughs> sit about Nicolas Cage as Lex Luthor. Once again, this week's episode is sponsored by Stitcher Premium. Hey, hey They're back again from another dimension. No, that's not a thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're back again. One, one of the space. finest ways to listen to one's podcasts, including this show, mm, might, might I add. And with Stitcher Premium, not only do you get the lovely bespoke podcast app known as Stitcher. You also get extra content from certain shows, ad-free episodes from certain shows, all that lovely good stuff piled on top as well. You can subscribe for $4.99 per month or a annual subscription for $34.99. However, thanks to your boys at Sequelizers, you could chuck in the code Sequelizers at checkout and get a free 
month on us. That's a fiver. You're, you're welcome. Yeah. Just, just, just giving you free it's stuff. Free money. Extra free money, sort of. Imagine, <laughs> imagine us with those, um, like, uh, dollar bill guns that they have yeah. in rap oh, videos, yeah, but absolutely. it's just podcasts streaming out yeah. of them. Yeah. I've never ever seen those. They don't always work. Really? So they always turn it on like TV channel stuff. Then I get the news or something like ridiculous Bloombergy kind of thing, or some uncomfortable Fox and Friends piece of shit, and they're like. It's not working. Shaking a bit. Oh, there it goes. It's almost always how it always works. You have so much experience with these. Reality is always disappointing, Matthew. That's why I'm its architect. And that's why I've got a movie-themed recommendation for this week. Oh shit! With some with some bonus content. It's kind of spinning off of the In My As We Trust, one of my one of my favourite film podcasts about horror-themed. This, I think you'll like this title. Horny for horror. I'm listening. It is as funny as it sounds, and it is basically three like serious horror fans going through and discussing the stupid tropes of horror, or focusing on a specific film or a specific yeah. series. Basically, if you like horror movies, or like me, and I feel like I'm not versed well enough in horror. I know you and I kind of have that in common, Matt. Yeah, even a though of a, a bit of a blind spot, you're, you're very much more versed in literally everything else <laughs> in terms of cinema. Horror is very much a blind spot for me. I, I, I think for all of us, actually. Oh, really? yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I've yes. never been a huge horror guy. Well, there you go, yeah. So uh, if you want to learn a bit more, these guys really know their stuff. They're really funny. It's a trio of um, hosts, and they just, yeah, delve deep into various horror films. They've got the... Um, they even... and I, This is kind of what caught my eye when I first, first checked them out on Stitcher Premium. They have the Stitcher Screamium episodes. Oh, they did okay. a pun with premium. Matthew. I don't know yeah. you love puns, don't you? No, I fucking hate them. But carry you on. love puns, I don't you, Matthew? Him. Absolutely hate them. I'll do another take. You love puns, don't you, Matthew? You can keep as many takes as you want. I fucking <laughs> hate puns, and I'll cut you. <laughs> so yeah, they're doing bonus episodes and things like that, and mm. uh, they do like Freddy February and uh, <laughs> March luck and stuff like that. Oh god. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's lots of puns and silliness. I, and I approve hilarity. the structuring though. That's cool. It's a it's a lot of fun, and you learn kind of like a lot about the behind the scenes and the the origins of some of the characters, and like we we often talk about like oh in the original script it did this, or in oh in the first movie it does this mm-hmm. and then does that and blah blah blah. It's a similar kind of discussion. It's it's not like presented by guys called like John, Tom, and Mark, is it? Or something like, <laughs> no, like, sounds like us, but specific niche. No, good. All right, let's it's, and it's also not three white dudes sitting around talking about stuff but how, how is it a podcast yeah i don't know. understand i'm confused uh you've got adam betsy and mano are the, are the hosts oh, nice. so yeah it's a nice mm-hmm. uh, it's a nice little uh group they're all hilarious and ridiculous sounds good and uh, gen- that gen- does sound interesting to be fair and uh horny for horror like i said cool and it's the number four because of course it is because it's horror franchise of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they all go to at least four exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. like bad boys for life right matt that's the fourth one well done, whoever came up with that idea to call that that. Someone just listened to the rest of the song. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. Should have been called Bad Boys 3 Life. Oh, oh no. Bad Boys for Life, but the E in life is a three. <laughs> <laughs> and then just Bad Boys for Life, but the four is... I was going to say, Bad Boys for Lif? Yeah. But the three is it's like, yeah, but why'd you make the three the size that's the same size but as the... For Lif 3? What's that? <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Like Fant 4 stick all over uh... again. But yeah, check out Horny for Horror if you're a horror fan. Or like me, you're not very well versed in horror and want to learn more about some of the classics, some of the fucking disasters mm. and everything in between. Check out Horny for Horror on Stitch Premium. Nice. 
So, before we leap into how we're fixing Hannibal, we should do our traditional Rotten Tomatoes mm. scorifications. Yes, we should. So, I, I've I've looked up the uh, the facts and figures this time. Mm-hmm. So let's let's do it chronological style. Okay. Okay. Chron- okay. Chronological by release rather than by okay. biographical. Biographical character biography. Yes. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. So. Silence of the Lambs. High as fuck. 93. It's like when we said about an offhand comment about 1986 in a previous episode or a previous episode takes about the idea of aliens and you're thinking, who the fuck gave this a... Why is it 99%? <laughs> Who's giving this a bad review? Mm. I wonder if the backlash for the Buffalo portrayal Bill of Buffalo Bill, exactly I wonder if it's going to hit it. So although it should be 100, I think it's going to be... It's not eighties. Uh, let's fuck it. Let's say ninety-seven. Oh wow! Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Let's say it's, it's not eighties. It's ninety. Let's, yeah. let's say it's real fucking Fair high, enough. but only just about skating okay. under. Okay. Uh, Matt is just closer. Oh. Ninety-six. Oh. It deserves it. Yeah. Like that's said, fair. Ninety-six is good. absolute. It's a masterpiece. Masterpiece. I hate using masterpiece. that word, but it is. Yeah, it is. And yeah. now, in comparison, Ooh. Hannibal. Uh, Shit. I'm gonna go for the. Maybe not traditional sequelized drop off, but around the sort of fifty to sixty percent mark. I think that's. I think right, yeah. forty-five. Oh, I would have thought the sixties. Um, As in, it's a, that's the drop between yeah, the two. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My worry is that people like it more than they should. Because I, <laughs> I did as a teenager. But so wait, you think forty-five idiot. is how much it's dropped by, or what it dropped to? Forty-five percent. Oh, five percent. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, no, I say sixty-two. Okay. Uh, Jack is closer. Thirty-nine percent. Wow. People good. were not good. kind to fuck, it, fuck and it's about what it deserves. Good. I actually agree. I agree yep. entirely. Yep. Yeah. Um. Then, one year later, we have Red Dragon. We do. Okay. So what, what, wait, wait. What was the thirty something? Like? Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Hannibal. I think you were more along the Red Dragon sort of lines. Maybe. Yeah, I think yeah. sort of high fifties or sixties or so. I say sixty-one for Red Dragon. Okay, let's go lower. Let's say it was. It, if it's it, lower than Hannibal, I'm going to be fucked off. No, <laughs> it can't be. It can't, it can't be. be. It can't be. Um, I'm going to say it did enough to bring it back, but not the. They're like, just let it die already. So I'm going to say forty-nine. Jack is now on a spree. Hey. Oh, sixty-eight. Oh, that's quite interesting. Quite, yeah. I'm quite a spring yeah. back up. Uh, that's, yeah. that's okay. I think yeah, I'm a little fine. bit higher because Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman's really good in it and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah, it's better than Hannibal. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, much better than Hannibal. Let's send it the other way. Hannibal Rising. Fucking hell. Twelve. I, that was oh, you bastard. Just Scarby, Scarby low. Fifteen. Jack takes it again. Sixteen percent. Oh, oh, I was going to go for twelve as well. Oh, my initial was like twenty-two. I think no, no, it's, no, it's no, crap. No, no, no. It's yeah, really yeah, bad. Yeah. That shit. film is hot shit. The, uh, the I know little, my, I know my Hannibal. What can I yeah, say? Yeah, no, it's good. That's good, man. The little critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes there is Hannibal Rising reduces the horror icon to a collection of dime store psychological traits. Agreed. I would kind of say the same yep. thing that Hannibal it does. Humanizes <laughs> him in a really boring way. Yeah. And yet the audience score still fifty five percent. Fuck the audience. Audience of fucking idiots. Don't know shit. What well, a, a oh. thing. If you want to entertain yourself, uh, listeners is go on Rotten Tomatoes and read the one-star reviews of Uncut Gems of people being like, I went into this expecting a, a standard Adam Sandler film and <laughs> oh, uh, no. I didn't care for the language oh, and I found no. it very disorientating and I left within the first 10 minutes and my wife was very upset by it all. Brilliant. 
I I saw a lot of similar reviews when Punch Drunk Love came out. Yeah. And it's like, um, oh, this isn't for you. Yeah. (laughs) Just because there's one actor in it, that actor does different things. Yeah. But he do the same thing with like Eternal Sunshine as well. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I I love Jim Carrey. He's so. I, think, I don't know who I, I am anymore. <laughs> I doubt there was the same thing because by that point, Jim Carrey had... He'd be he doing some weird stuff. I, I'd, oh, imagine, okay. mm. I'd imagine stuff like Man on the Moon and The Majestic got the um, brunt of those. I would so. think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even then, not, you have seen neither of those. But it, Eternal Sunshine was my moment of like, huh, Jim Carrey can act. I didn't know that. And you have the Truman Show as the kind of transition. That's, where it's ah, very that's fair. a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. whereas Sandler just is like... Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler, great actor. Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler. <laughs> yep. I must admit, there's an interesting one, especially with British people, where they're like, oh, Kate, Kate Winslet, she's an English rose, she's bloody lovely, beautiful, everything she's in. And every time she's in something, they go, she's a darling, isn't she? Yeah, and they say, she's not, not, not in this one, not, not this one for me. And you're like, what's the film? And literally any fucking film that isn't Titanic. <laughs> it's like oh beautiful interest love case very I just love her it's fantastic national treasure national tre- real treasure real princess not this one though not this one it's like what's this one Eternal <laughs> sunshine I don't know I lost it. I lost track darling it's like okay great um, is and this then- just your various aunts <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything <laughs> aunts and in-laws um, but it, then it becomes down like, to like oh what did you say oh uh, film about wash your hands um, contagion yeah. Kate was in Kate, you can say Kate was in that. She was. Um, I thought it was going to be more like, like the Olympics. It's got Jude Law in it. Isn't it? <laughs> All these people who went straight from like Titanic to the Reader. Yes, <laughs> Nazi girl. Yeah. Very strange. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like I think she, I think okay. she was meant to be like a Daily Mail reader. So can, so can we have a, a like a, a segment separate that is Matt's aunt reviews things. <laughs> Last thing we need to do, if I've learned anything from podcasts over the years, we do not introduce characters because it will kill your show. <laughs> Cheap show, I'm looking at you. I love you, but also characters. Yeah. So well, I want c- characters, Matthew, so tough. Ah, the people have spoken. <laughs> the person has spoken. The person is me. Right, well. And speaking we've of, seen, speaking we've of seen me what, speaking. We've seen what we had to compete with. Yeah. Yes. Jack. Talk us, talk us through Hello, what Tim. you're bringing us to bring us out of this fire. A very different film. I think we should all do this voice through the whole pitch. Hannibal. And I'm usually I like breathing in the mic and it's a problem. This is me doing it on purpose. <laughs> so, very different film. Sure. Influences from across the Hannibal mythos. Eh, sure. Not, not even this canon. I've taken some influences <laughs> from the TV show, mm-hmm. taken some, not necessarily, necessarily some Manhunter stuff, taken some Mindhunter stuff, which are all interesting mm-hmm. moments. Interesting. I gotta say, I love whenever the Hannibal mythos, uh, like the the bits of Hellboy where they bring in kind of more of the mythos stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. So, first of all, this is the thing that most audiences will probably say, because I think we had this in the question of the QA from the first QA years mm-hmm. and years and years ago. People said, how would you fix X film yeah. or whatever that's based on a book? Because the book already exists. Yeah. The answer is, we don't adapt the book. So Com- I assume... Correct. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. It is set before the book exists. <laughs> there we go. Okay. And released before the book exists. Mm. Fuck you, Thomas Harris. <laughs> yep. And I think especially... And again, I don't know the ins and outs of this, but it feels so much like the book was written purely to adapt for the film. That is very much the impression I yeah. got from reading interviews with Harris. He yeah. doesn't say as much because he's not shooting himself in the foot with his yeah. publisher, but he did 
adapt it as a screenplay basically as he wrote the novel. So, yeah. Yeah. fuck but you, Tom Harris. Michael Crichton did that quite frequently, but he did it well. Yeah. 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 Ish. Ish. <laughs> so, a couple of initial things to address. Yes. Mm-hmm. We talked about release year, we talked about director, talked about bringing back some of the cast members and all that kind of stuff. I'll get stuck in. Go ahead. 1996. I'm not leaving it 10 years, just five from 91, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs, to now, 96. Mm-hmm. Before the book is released in 1999, don't have to deal with that shit. Yeah. And it's not 10 years of Anthony Hopkins aging, unfortunately. Yeah, happens all mm. of us. Yeah. Happens to the best of us, including Academy Award winning Anthony Hopkins. But not the worst of us. They seem to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at you, Walt Disney's frozen head in a jar. <laughs> I've gone for a an arbitrary title that is kind of inspired by the Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. I've completely made this up. It's not a like a reference or anything. Like okay. That. okay, but it's a you'll see. It, it mm. ties into the film. Um, I call it "The Eyes Are a Window." I like it. Yeah, it's 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 that sort of it crime... hints towards that phrase that you know but it's mm-hmm. a thing. yeah the crime mm-hmm. drama thing especially the 90s with yeah. films like along came a spider and exactly. that kind of thing. it's the exactly holy phrasing it's like what does this mean like, even again people are like oh the science of the lambs it's like yeah it's quintessential because you know it now yep. yeah when yep. it came out it's like what does that mean yep i'm not calling this film hannibal or hannibal colon anything <laughs> hannibal is not the fucking title character in my movie no however i'm bringing back anthony hopkins as a window cleaner Oves, mm-hmm. as a window cleaner as uh, George Formby's, when I'm cleaning windows. <laughs> he disguises himself as a window cleaner with a band, with a Secret ukulele. confessions of a window cleaner. Mm-hmm. It's British smart. Exactly. I'm also throwing all the money at it. I've got Hopkins back. I'm bringing Jodie Foster back as Clarice because money, 90s... is, money is no object to yeah. me in this thing, so it's I can the... do what I like. Yeah, so you said 96. Yeah. So before contact, correct? Mm. Yes, it's the yes. year before contact. I think like, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so that's good. I mentioned it because, like, yeah, yeah. should be fine. Should do it. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Glenn coming back as Jack Crawford. Good. Uh, Gary Oldman not bringing him back, but he is still Bring playing Mason Verger in this version mm. of my thing. Mm-hmm. A version of Mason Verger. Okay. And I'm also bringing back Anthony Held as Doctor Chilton. As oh well. yeah, yeah. Doctor Chilton appears in my movie. Mm. Um, new cast. Here's where things get interesting. Okay, I'm ready. Philip Seymour Hoffman. You think, wait a minute, he's in Red Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's Freddy in, in Red Dragon. That's right. He's Will Graham in my movie. That's bold. Because oh. fuck you, that's why. No, I like it. I really, um, I'd like that. Um, this is around the same time as Hard 8 and Twister. Mm-hmm. So he's like just before Twister. He's barely really known at this point, mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a, not hugely known, but I think he'd be a good Will Graham. And my worry is that the Hannibal Hardcore fans would not like what I've done to Will Graham, but we'll get to that. It's fine. Oh. It's fine. <laughs> I like you're so ready to take on this <laughs> throngs so of Hannibal so fans. Ready. Yeah. And uh, speaking of things, uh, influence from the TV show, mm-hmm. basically, essentially by name only, but yeah, yeah, ish. Um, Ed Harris, bro- brother of Thomas Harris. Yeah, I love it. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Unrelated, don't worry. Yes. But I love a bit of Ed Harris. I do too. As mm. Abel Gideon, which is the name of a character. It's Eddie Izzard's character in the TV yes. show. The Shrike. The Chesapeake sh- Shredder or something, something like that. Yeah, Chesapeake mm. Murderer, whatever he is. Um, can't remember the name, but it's the mm. Chesapeake I know something. Mean, yeah. yeah. He's a... The wanted... Ripper, isn't he? Chesapeake, Chesapeake Ripper. Thank you, yes. Tim. Yes, the Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> Super Shredder. <laughs> the Shredder from Turtles. Exactly, Brilliant. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Ed Harris as the Shredder in Turtles. I mean, William Fickner was, so it makes just as much sense. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, he's not a million like miles Eddie, away from Ed Eddie Izzard as the Shredder in Turtles <laughs> yes. would be great. There we go. Sign me up. 
And uh, yeah, so Abel Gideon is a character in this. He's going to be different from what he is in the TV show. Mm-hmm. I will address that mm. in, in the pitch itself. The big one, director. Mm. Ridley Scott can suck a dick. I don't trust him to make a good film, even though he's made some of the best films. He's also made some of the, the worst sure. films. Exodus, Gods and Kings. Correct. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's years later. But yes, e- even around the time he's proof. making flat films like G.I. Jane, which is... Exactly. Yeah, fine. Don't trust Ridley Scott. Sure, no, I get it. Who I do trust in the 90s for a psychological thriller. And Tim, you hinted at him earlier, is Mr. Fincher. Yeah. Mm. And we talked about him in the Crow episode as well. Mm. Yeah, because if you're doing horror, psychological thriller stuff in the 90s... Finch is your man. Finch mm. is fantastic. He's hard not to. He's, he's great. And mm. I think he would bring a lot to the He's direction. a successor. He feels like mm. he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's he would bring a lot to the direction and the cinematography and his team that he would bring on, I think, would help make this feel more like a sequel to The Silence of the Lambs and not this weird fucking standalone Hannibal thing that we actually yeah. got in real life. So... As you'll probably notice as I go on, this is very much a sequel to The Silence of the Lambs. And as I mentioned to Matt before we started recording, mm. there's rumours that CBS are working on a sequel to Silence of the Lambs mm. as we speak. Yes. As a TV show. Yeah. As a post-silence Clarice Starling, possibly just called Clarice Starling, mm. yeah. because God forbid we have a TV show with a title anymore, it just has to be <laughs> the name of the character. Mm. has to be... Arrow. Branding. Or, yeah, first name or surname. Like, if 24 came out now, it would be called Bauer or something. <laughs> almost, <laughs> like, almost guaranteed. Ben will be called Jack, because that fucks me off. <laughs> and enough of the people saying Jack in that show. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Were you looking up every five minutes, like, Hello? Seriously, yeah. yeah. I'd just be in the room and I'd just did, Jack, 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 Jack. Fuck off. Anyway. So, yeah, there's my returning cast, new cast, time travelling cast in I find it interesting it's very good yeah. as, yeah. as a version of Mason Verger uh, Fincher Interdirect Eyes Like a Window 1996 very different to Hannibal I hope <laughs> well that's the thing just from the outset from the way it's pitched it's like you've you've not gone with names that are um, true fantasy it's like mm. Ed Harris and Philip Seymour Hoffman in the 90s being in this kind of film makes complete sense off the back of one of the most successful films uh, critically speaking mm. um by a director, I mean, you, the only thing you could say is like, well, hang on a minute, he, he fucked up the Alien films. It's like, no, he's about to do Seven and yeah. and the, the game and stuff. This is this is perfect for him. We know this with hindsight, mm, but yeah. yes. Um, yeah, this is between Seven and the game. Oh, Seven's already come out, and of course it's Seven's already out. Then, yeah, and, then there's no yeah. one's going to doubt it. Seven Fincher. Mm. Yeah, of course it's Sorry, he's, he's a safe pair of hands. Mm. Um, yeah. And yeah, thinking in terms of like Ed Harris, he he's just been in The Rock as yes, well. Of course, and that's yeah. around that sort of time. And Oldman would be in his kind of like Air Force One period. Correct. Yeah. Just before yep. um, Fifth Element. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I think yeah, it's very good. I think it's, it's it's the kind of thing you say and go, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. Mm. If you want to make now, I don't want to say this as an insult. If you want to make a carbon copy, where do we pick up where we left off? Natural successor. Who's the best person to take this forward? Fincher. The only problem, well, not the only problem. We'll see with the story. Is could it end up being just the same thing again? But mm. I don't think so. I think. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I've, I'm, That's I'm, the, I, I'm aiming for a for sequel the, to the Silence of the Lambs. Yes. For the most part, I'm ignoring the Hannibal film from 2001 and the book. Yes. The book no, fuck him. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that. Exactly. That's fine. So, five years after the events of Silence of the Lambs, Clarice Starling has become a key member of the Behavioral Science Unit of the FBI. 
She was heralded as a hero after solving the Buffalo Bill case, and she's continued her success since then, growing in reputation and influence at Quantico. We see that she is still chastised and bullied by some of her colleagues, however, for apparent swift ascension, claiming she's probably slept away to the top due to the support she's received from Jack Crawford. I you continuing that sort of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a thing Hannibal doesn't fucking address. So in five all. years, she'd still mm. be the same obstacles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, want, I want to have that... As much as I don't like bring it up every five minutes in the script, mm. I'd like to have that being an underlying thread of Clarice's career yeah. in general. Yeah. As Clarice enters Crawford's office, she's introduced to a new transfer to their unit, Will Graham. Now. <laughs> yes. Because you're going to fuck off fans timeline, now. Timeline's yeah. fucked up. Will Graham and Clarice, in theory, in the proper timeline, never meet... Never yeah. work with each other. Will Graham is the original guy who captures Dr. Lecter, and that's why he's in prison in Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Yes. because he's already faced Will Graham as an FBI agent, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Will Graham is part of Hannibal's earlier stories. But Silence of the Lambs, and I checked, it doesn't, doesn't fucking mention him. No. Yeah. So I can do whatever I like. The mm. timeline I'm working with is just that film, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs. So I'm bringing Will Graham forwards in time... You know what I mean. Yeah. He's, a, he's, I, a, he's a contemporary, if not an understudy now. Yeah. He's a slightly younger... 96, you're not going to get a lot of blowback with that either, except for a few like literary people going, well, that's not how it was the book. And everyone mm. just say, as always, who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah. He's mentioned in the book. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I'm not adapting the book. So no, exactly. Not, not my fucking problem. No. That makes so, sense. So, yeah. Will Graham arrives. Philip Seymour Hoffman, as I mentioned. Yes. Will enthusiastically shakes Clarice's hand and says how he's excited to work with her in BSU. Graham graduated from the Academy a couple of years ago and is asked specifically to join this unit. Clarice says she's heard good things about Graham's work and is happy to introduce him to their new techniques. In fact, she has an interview today that he's welcome to join her on. Crawford gives his nod of approval and the new duo head out together. So it also sounds like he's quite a different personality as well from what we know from Will Graham. In Just a way, him being yeah. enthusiastic alone sounds like it's not Yeah, weird. yeah. He, he <laughs> kind of has seen. an enthusiasm for this specific side of the agency okay, yeah. this is something he's kind of he, he wants he heard unit. about Clarice in the academy perhaps or heard about the unit in the academy and has been aiming to come here right. as a thing he wants to focus on at the Baltimore State Hospital for the Criminally Insane the same facility as shown in the Science of the Lambs Clarice and Will go through the security protocols and enter the high security block the facility has changed with a few upgrades since the last time we saw Dr. Letter first meeting Clarice all the cells have had the bars replaced with a glass front, reducing any possible interaction with the patients. No jizz throwing. No jizz throwing. <laughs> in the second cell, a man is relaxing in bed, hands behind his head and eyes closed. Clarice nods towards him, saying that he is Abel Gideon, and Will approaches the glass. Without moving, Gideon speaks, guessing that they're both FBI profilers. The agents begin to question Gideon about a potential copycat of his, who has been skinning their victims' faces, his signature when he was an active killer. Gideon, remaining in bed, feigns interest and answers vaguely, trying to irritate the agents. Will remains unfazed, impressing Clarice and annoying Gideon. In his frustration, Gideon lets slip the name of Mason Verger. As the agents leave, Gideon stands and approaches the glass, sniffing the air. He stares and doesn't answer any more questions. Gideon comments quietly to himself about Clarice's perfume. L'air de temps. L'air de temps, was it? Yeah, l'air de temps. L'air. L'air de temps. And says he, in inverted commas, was right after all. Clarice misses his remark, but Will appears to notice it. On the drive back to Quantico, Will asks Clarice what Laird de Tomp means and who Gideon could have been referring to. She silently remembers Lecter's words at the first meeting. Will clocks on quickly and simply says, Lecter, to himself. Back in Clarice's office, Clarice, Will and Crawford are discussing the case and Gideon's lack of help. Will mentions that Gideon indirectly referenced Hannibal Lecter, 
and Clarice confirms that there was no other way Gideon could have known. Lecter must have contacted Gideon in the last few years. Crawford looks worried, knowing what the cannibal psychiatrist is capable of, and wondering if he's somehow involved in this case. Clarice reaches into her desk and produces three letters. Will looks confused until he sees the writing and realises they're from Lecter himself. Clarice says that Hannibal sends her a letter every year on the anniversary of their meeting. They contain eloquent stories of his holidays across Europe, snippets of poems and sketches of Clarice from their brief time together. He mentions how nice she looked last time they met. He misses her honesty and the sadness in her eyes. As Clarice reads the letters, Hannibal's voice takes over, narrating each of them in turn. See, I like that. That feels more like Hannibal than the Hannibal we see in 20 years. He's mm-hmm. not month. signing off. Yours always, Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> I would love to lick your bum. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> he's he's creepy I'm... and interested in her, but not but necessarily in a like... Kind of way, in a weird way. Stroking her hair and slamming her in fridge doors, mm. creepy kind of way. Twice. Won't you, <sighs> won't you join me for a drink in this same restaurant where Alfred sits <laughs> looking at Bruce Wayne... <laughs> <laughs> oh god brilliant uh, uh, my, Michael Caine just shows up and does the little nod yeah. and then Andy Hopkins looks back and just gives him a nod <laughs> from under a hat oh that'd be brilliant we're both killers you know <laughs> so this is the bit I mentioned which is the cut final scene yes. of Silence mm-hmm. of the Lamps mm-hmm. Hannibal on the sunlit patio is drinking a cocktail he casually strolls back into a villa to reveal a restrained Dr Chilton sat at a dinner table with the top of his head cut off, brain exposed. Uh, I'm taking the no, Paul Crendler yeah, yeah. bit, but not milking it like Hannibal does. Because that's the most iconic scene of that film, mm. obviously. You it all is. know that scene. It is gory. Mm. Like, yeah. insanely gory. And I don't particularly want to go that far because I feel like they do it just kind of for the I shot. I think Fincher would shoot out of focus almost in a weird mm. way. Absolutely. Think, yeah. And I think you have almost him, he sits down to dinner with somebody and you have no idea who it is and then it eventually yeah. focuses mm. and you realise, that's actually held. Oh shit, he's the doctor from the first one. Mm. He'd and reveal that quite well. Reveal yeah. it quite subtly. No, that's mm-hmm. good. Um, you don't see him carving into his fucking skull and popping off the, the, popping the skin membrane. Mm. That weird like... Mm. Noise that he, has, <laughs> he has with his fucking brain cavity and all that Pop stuff. goes the brain sack. <laughs> it's so gross. Um, yeah, I want to play this a lot more subtly. Mm. Every, everything basically is a lot more subtle and dialed back sure. because Hannibal is not subtle and Silence and Lambs is, and mm. I'm going for that kind of thing. That makes sense. Hannibal simultaneously explains the process of lobotomizing and how delicious sautéed brain can be. So mm. he's uh, kind of turning the tables on Dr. Chilton because he mentions how much he hates Chilton. Mm. Oh, yeah, he does, and yeah. Chilton has his own agenda in the first one as well, which is kind of a thing that is... Chilton's an arsehole in the first one. Yeah. We kind of want him to suffer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He needs his comeuppance. And as much as we get the, I'm having a friend for dinner, this is him having that Mm. old friend for dinner. Yes. Quite literally, as you may have guessed. Yeah. And even if we don't like the character, we're still like, oh, maybe we didn't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. Oh, dear. Oh, that's his (laughs) brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And you can imagine kind of Hannibal, like he's got a frying pan in the background kind of... Yes. Getting, getting little bits of brains mm. and stuff. and yeah. he's, he's doing the Paul Krendler thing, but exactly, Chilton yeah. can mm. fuck Chilton, basically. In the next scene, Hannibal is disguised in a guard's uniform, talking to Gideon in his cell. Hannibal tells him about Clarice. 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 Buffalo Bill and his other protege, a former patient of his who has been helping the Doctor for a few years. Hannibal's... The Doctor from Doctor Who, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> which, which iteration? <laughs> Sylvester McCoy? Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Hannibal is working with Gideon and his other, in Vercom's apprentice, to help avoid capture from the FBI. 
Lastly, we see a flashback of Hannibal as a psychiatrist talking to Mason Verger, a paedophile and abuser who is receiving court-mandated rehabilitation. Hannibal is, of course, not offering actual help for Verger's problems. He is instead honing his killing skills and training Verger in methods of deception and dissection. Verger brutally murders multiple people with Hannibal watching, skinning their faces post-mortem. Verger begins wearing a mask to kill and maim his victims. So yeah, slightly different take on Mason Verger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is almost, again, a little bit influenced by the TV show, but not taking directly from the TV show, um, having him be a little bit of a, an apprentice to, to Hannibal, and uh, we'll, we'll get back to that. Mm-hmm. I do love Michael Pitt. And, um, as Verger in the TV show. TV yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. He, he was one, one of my things when I was talking about the like, idea of possibly recasting the Joker, like Heath Ledger mm. Joker, sorry. That makes sense. Do him. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's doing it well. I thought the same thing because I feel like it was around about the same sort of time people were talking about Gotham Joker. Yes, mm. and I was like, "Well, there, that's that's the that guy. guy. Mm. Him, do yeah. him. Don't do all these other bollocks." No. Back at the BSU office, the team received the report that another faceless body has shown up. Clarice and Will arrive at the scene and begin trying to work out what's happened. As Clarice is examining the evidence, Will goes into a trance-like state, reimagining the murder itself. Again. TV show kind of Will mm, Graham sure and William Peterson kind of does this as well yeah. he very much gets into the mind of the killer and that is Will Graham's thing is that he has this kind of empathic relationship with mm. the he goes, serial he killers deep he dives, it, he he? Deep mm. dives yeah. it yeah and this is very much what, what Hoffman would be doing mm. we flash between what appears to be Verger killing and skinning his victim and Verger skinning his own face mm. again, bringing Mason Verger back around mm. again. Yep. And Fincher would do that well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I imagine like so. Disorienting scene shows Verger and his victim are basically interchangeably shifting in Will's vision. Yes, of course. Will yeah. can't even tell what's going on. Mm. There is you know cutting between Hoffman and a victim, Hoffman and victim, mm. and then Oldman victim, Oldman victim, and it's all going mental. You need a you strong director. Who, whose face is that, who, yeah. and it's yeah. edited and crazy. Yeah. As Clarice is looking at the victim, the blood splatter, etc., she hears Hannibal's voice about killing, cannibalism, and keeping trophies from the first film echoing in her mind. The duo return to Abel Gideon again, this time more forceful with their questions as they will get more desperate to find the killer. Will loses his cool for the first time, slamming his fist against the glass of the cell. Clarice, once again, sees a similarity to Hannibal, seemingly spotting him lurking in the shadows of Gideon's cell. You literally get like a... As she turns to look at Gideon, Mm. you see a glimpse... Would you kind of get in the first one a glimpse of Hopkins' face mm. in a corner somewhere in what? a kind of almost like in a Fight Club? Yeah, it's a frame yeah. of him, and then yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I imagine yeah. It, even just the case of it could be that she sees him walk up to her and the reflection of the glass cut to the other reverse, and he's not there, kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hannibal sows seeds of doubt in Clarice's mind, telling her that Gideon is lying and she can't trust in the comes them. Hannibal and Gideon simultaneously say, "He will strike again. You must find him now." Clarice, back at the office, is searching through files and finally finds a record of Verger, his medical record from his previous incarceration and his history of abuse and paedophilia. She spots the name of Dr. Halter Binnacle, an anagram for Hannibal Lecter. Playing on the old anagram from mm-hmm. the Fool's Gold and it's yep. thing. Yep. She puts the pieces together, connecting Hannibal to Verger and the murders. Verger has a registered address on his file and she tells Will and Crawford about her theory. Crawford says he'll assemble a SWAT team, but Will and Clarice will lead the way, hoping to take down Verger quietly. Again, that's Jack putting trust in Clarice. She's yes. established herself. 
she is very much respected by him and some of her peers, but not necessarily all of her peers. No. So we maybe see some backlash in the in the office there, some rolling eyes in the background maybe. Yeah. But it established that Jack is working It's well building and enforcing what we've seen before, yeah. but yeah. elevating it a little yeah. bit, yeah. And, it, and thinking the kind of similar <clears throat> way that they storm the two different locations that we mentioned sure, sure. In, in Silence of the Lambs. But they're all going to one location this mm-hmm. time. Okay. Arriving at Verger's house, it's a grand building, but looks abandoned and unloved for many years. Will and Carice scope out the perimeter before entering through a back door. Mrrr, matron. <laughs> they, head in, they head in with flashlights and guns drawn, exploring the house as the SWAT team set up outside, awaiting further orders. Clarice looks down a hallway and sees a figure dart across her vision. Think like Alien in the Duct style. Oh, yeah. There's mm. just a shadow that moves across the barely lit hallway. She calls for him to freeze, and off-screen, Hannibal replies calmly, his voice echoing down the empty hall. He says that while he promised he wouldn't pursue her, he has been keeping a very close eye on her. As Dr. Lecter steps into full view, a shadow behind Clarice begins moving. Clarice, however, isn't stupid, and reacts to her assailant just in time to avoid a mortal wound, the knife grazing her side. Clarice kicks her assailant, now revealed to be a masked verger, and shoves Hannibal away, calling out for Will. She spins, firing up verger, but misses. Hannibal screams, Kill her! as the fight continues between the two of them. Will arrives in the hallway, and as Verger kicks Clarice to the ground, he gets a clean shot, and Will shoots Verger, killing him. Recovering, Clarice stands up and asks Will where Hannibal went. Will says that he hadn't seen Hannibal at all. He tells Clarice that it's over, and they've won. Clarice looks concerned and confused, while Will calls their success into Crawford and the SWAT team. They exit the house, and Crawford congratulates Will. Will and Jack are big smiles about Will's first successful case with the unit, and as the sound of their voices fades around Clarice. She looks distraught and doesn't engage with Jack or anyone around her. In an epilogue, we see Clarice is sat at her desk, going through the case notes once more before the case is closed. She's drawn links between Gideon, Verger and Lecter and compiled their files together. There's a fourth person labelled with a question mark in her notes, as well as potential titles of Real Killer and Dr Lecter's Apprentice. We zoom into Clarice's eyes as she stares at her notes, waiting for an epiphany. As we zoom back out, it transitions to Will's eye. He's staring out of a window, and as we continue to move back, we see him sitting in a mansion. The camera moves through the window Will is looking out of, and a hand comes to rest upon his shoulder. Will looks up lovingly, and smiles as a familiar voice says, You've done well, my boy. I'm so proud of you. We have but one last thing to do. A little bit of a twist on the the Will Graham Hannibal dynamic. Again, I don't particularly want to go down the romantic route. Mm. I think that is not the kind of thing. I think Never that works. That works. Yeah. That works for Mickelson's Han- Hannibal because he's a he's a different creature, different to, interpretation to Hopkins. But I think keeping Hopkins as a essentially asexual creature in many yes, ways is, is an interesting take on the one I'd like mm. to keep on. It's more of a fatherly role. He mm. knows he will never have children of his own, mm. but perhaps in his arrogance he wants to continue his legacy. He sees himself and Will Graham and in a way has pushed Will to join the behavioural science unit, mm. entrenched, entrenched mm. him in the beginning and then created a little mole of his own in the FBI mm. and, and Will Graham is 
yeah, Hannibal's secret. And five years is enough of a period to achieve that. To be fair, it doesn't it doesn't sound unreasonable. Mm. In theory, like he gets to War Graham. Oh yeah, well, either he... like before the academy, at the academy, just as he's graduated, and he it could be any point. Yeah, again, he's mm. keeping he's been keeping an eye on Clarice, so he might hear about some yeah. of her contemporaries mm. and stuff. And it wouldn't and be then, unusual yeah. for this guy of this level of intellect, intelligence, and narcissistic focus to to be able to do such things. Like yeah, that. so that, that's that's completely makes sense. He manipulates people a lot in the first <clears> film. Yeah, confusing people. Mm. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you're right. It shouldn't. Be, I don't think it should be a, a sexualized thing at all. Because ultimately, if I did you've got toy the, with that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, the first film, and then they suffered kiss. because of it. I thought mm. uh, that would go down badly yeah. Mm. Yeah. for the same reasons. Like, oh, yeah. so now this killer's the gay one. I was like, mm. oh shit. That was my worry. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I addressed the the like you mm. said the, the the odd potentially unfortunate queer coding of Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Yes. And then address that with like, Hannibal's been gay all along. Yeah. Nah, Why would you emphasize that, it through the roof? That's, uh, that's too on the nose. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mm. want to play it. Play no, it, I get that. Play it in that direction. Mm. You're right, though. You're going to piss off a lot of Hannibal fans. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a Hannibal fan. So. That's what I'm saying. But that's what that's why it's best. Mm. It's why it's yeah, interpretation. I, I, I really felt like I couldn't adapt anything. I felt like I had to go in a different direction. and I had to do something that is taking bits and pieces. I mentioned all the influences as, mm. a, as we were reading through, like, oh, this is from the TV show. This is a bit from Hannibal. This is a little bit here. There's a little bit there. And yeah, that was kind of my, my thing is I had to do something a little bit mm. original in terms of the Hannibal thing. Obviously, it's a unique story. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's it's not based on or adapted from any Hannibal story yeah. that I've I've, aware or I've read. So. It's it's a very difficult one because when we do these kind of adaptations, we obviously have to try and a put out out of our minds the adaptations that have come before and everything that's come afterwards. But it's physically impossible. Yeah. So you just go, well, there are some really solid elements that we can draw on from a TV series from otherwise yada yada yada, and I think you've utilised them very well. I think this is a genuinely engaging crime story. It has lots of imitation or or uh, should we say. Um, success as sort of like aesthetic carry on yeah mm. my my worry and, and perhaps my lack of confidence as a writer as well and just my like imposter syndrome coming through mm. my worry is that it plays too closely to the first one and, and it, it, could, it could, could potentially be like a where you're just redoing it like you're, re- no, you're no, no. reusing Hopkins mm. in the cell and all that kind of no, stuff no I get it I get it if you have too many callbacks and flashbacks no, it I think that's undermines nice it's, the originality of I think the it's evocative one. of the original that's kind of the point because the, that's the, how I would like it mm. to be yeah I, I think that is the <laughs> that's case that's what I was aiming for and I think like the, the, the fact that it kind of is playing with the idea of Lecter haunting Clarice yes and very much so you not being sure like how much of what she's seeing is actually there yes um I think that works really well. It, it kind of, it sort of uh, taps into the fact that, yeah, like what she's gone through would be traumatic and like clearly it's coloured her in, in good ways because of the way she's progressed in her career and mm. like the skills she has, but it's yep. also left this damage behind. She yes. never quite silenced those lambs, did she? Also, let's face it, revisiting the place that she she had those memories take place in the first place mm-hmm. is going to bring back all kinds of things. Yeah. So that yeah. she would have those uh, almost ghosts of her memories, as it were. Yes. Mm. Of course it comes out. And yeah. So I think, yeah, I think there's, an, there's a lot there that works for me. Um, I wouldn't say there's a lot that doesn't, personally. Okay. I think it's, I, I very much enjoy it. And again, anything I'm like, oh, I wonder how that would come across, Fincher. Mm. Fincher's going to be able to... That, that, was my, that was my thing, yeah. yeah. I trust, unlike Ridley fucking Scott, <laughs> I trust David yeah. Fincher to handle, like I said... You need to, I feel, and you guys mentioned it as we were reading it, like you have to, especially the alternating of the faces, ed, fast editing, weird, yeah. mm. disorientating stuff. You don't know what's real and what's, is Hannibal there? Is he mm. not there? Mm. Is Mason Verger the killer? Is he not? Is he the victim? What the fuck's going on? Yeah. 
Fincher. Mm. Leave that to him and his <laughs> editing team and whatever. Yeah. I trust him and his his people to sort that out. Mm. Not my problem. You need <laughs> a strong visionary with that kind <laughs> of yeah. stuff. Yeah. I think like obviously we're we're always constrained by length and stuff. And I think in a in a kind of an expanded full screenplay or full, you know, pitch or whatever, um, I'd want to see kind of a bit more of the procedural stuff with I agree. Um, I, Starling and Graham together looking at kind of the victims and stuff like that yes. and, and unpicking the, the kind of the dynamics between mm. Abel and Mason and Hannibal and Mason and these 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 interesting kind of parallels that you draw of, you know, his his different kind of apprentices and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so Funny you should mention that because I originally, when I, when I did my kind of first draft of this version... Um, it ended up being that they only visited Gideon once, mm. and I had the exact same thought of like, well, he's just like a throwaway character. Then mm. let's bring him back and have that second motion. Or yeah. they're still working together. They're still working on this case, and you mm. see them instead of just going Gideon, Hannibal, Verger, done like mm. into that mm. straight line. You have to go back to Gideon to then kind of like you said, bring more of the procedural in there. Mm. And I think yeah, if you're given time, if you give this a slightly longer runtime, then you have the opportunity to have them actually build a relationship at the beginning of the film, potentially. Yeah. Mm. Or they go, the first thing they do is Gideon and they go off and do a few other things and then come back to Gideon again. Because mm. yeah. like I said, Mindhunter is an influence on this, very much yes. so for that mm. procedural kind of thing. Finch is also an executive producer mm-hmm. on that, which helps. Yes. Yeah. And having that, the the two-person dynamic like mm. you do in Mindhunter when they're interviewing the criminals and, mm. and the serial killers and stuff, having that dynamic in there and seeing them develop their techniques working with each other and seeing oh if will in some ways in many ways is learning from clarice because she's the more experienced agent but he's also got his completely unique and weird take on Mm, it and he does the empathic thing and he has a a view into the criminal's mind like no one else does and and i really like that you had that moment that's kind of taken from the hannibal tv series of 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 their contrasting approaches where she's very much like look okay like what's the physical evidence and yes, like very much let's so. look at that and let's like yeah. look at what we know and the facts and stuff and he is going from that kind of purely empathetic um empathic point of view yeah. and recreating it in his mind yeah. and kind of uh, doing that stuff and and seeing their different approaches and also seeing how that's potentially like a possibly like the route that Hannibal like you can look back and go like okay this his is... descendants is actually a a, 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 a signposted one it's like yes you could there's only so much you can do when you go so deep dive that you mm. start thinking again like the, the multiple faces like mm. having Oldman and all those different versions and stuff and one is Will it's like yeah because he's one of them and yeah. maybe you chuck a frame of Hopkins in there oh yeah really freak yeah. people out it's like did it yeah did or, it? Or, or Gideon or something you know and, yeah or Clary just the yeah. point is just, that yeah. It, yeah. if it throws the audience off and it makes them unsure about things yeah Question. Yes. Uh, with regards to the dynamic of Gideon mm. yep. and uh, Verger and Hannibal yep. and Will. So, Science Slams is very clear cut. Buffalo Bill is a killer. Yep. Hannibal's doing his own stuff and yep. he feels he wants to get out because he's bored. Yep. That's kind of it. Yep. There's a lot of machinations working into this one. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. That's good. It's a bit more of a convoluted. Yeah. Multiple. So, what would you say? Because, I mean, it's always one of those things whenever you get to the. Uh, the twist or reveal kind of thing mm. when you end up saying like, "Well, this string's being pulled by this person," and you're like, "Why? Why is why is Virgil being trained? Why 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 is Will the actual apprentice the soul? That, you know, is it actually so? In the in that case, what is d- does Hannibal have an end goal with this? In so yeah, Will or not? I, I kind of hinted at it. So uh, weirdly enough, it's it, that was partly inspired by 
the the multiple apprentice thing is definitely like a Star Wars sure. <laughs> rule, rule of two, essentially, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So in that, Hannibal is the emperor and he has an apprentice, but then he will train somebody else. And if they can take out that apprentice and become the true apprentice, then maybe... He didn't pick the right one at first. He he picks. So again, the ADHD or a nice car. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He thinks, oh, Mason Verger. He could be. Okay. He could be my successor. That's interesting. He's got these tendencies. He's got. He's clearly twisted in a certain way. We have mm. some similarities. Mm. I'll be his psychiatrist and see if I can help him. Yeah. And and do that kind of thing. And then perhaps he realizes. And I'm, I'm not saying do this on screen, but no, no, for no, the no. sake of explaining mm. it, of course. Um, he sees that maybe Mason Verger is too fragile to be handling this. Mm. He is still very much the patient and he will never live up to Hannibal's expectations of a successor. Because yeah. Hannibal is an arrogant asshole, as mm. we know, yeah, and yeah. he would have incredibly high expectations of somebody who would want to continue his legacy or carry mm. on his work. Yes. I can see there, there being a really interesting dynamic of having like Verger as like the, the kind of spurn, the, the, the person who's been abandoned by his mentor. Very much so. And like, yeah. in, in a way, he's almost like acting out like kind of like notice me senpai uh, <laughs> yes, like, yeah, entirely know. entirely um, yeah i haven't actually built that dynamic into there but i quite mm, like that yeah quite good. and that and that also gives him a motivation for doing stuff on like essentially like in clarice's backyard or yes. and almost yeah, trying to get her so. attention at yeah. the same time because he yeah. knows that will... he knows lecter has the, the yeah. dynamic with clarice he's like um in a terrible terrible analogy he's uh like a sort of underground dog fight organizer who has lots of dogs he doesn't really care about any of them but yeah. he wants one to be the strongest yes. mm. and he will let them all fight it out yeah yeah it's like how mm. do i make this dog stronger chuck it to the other one it's yeah. like that's horrible why would you do that it's like because mm. i'm a monster yeah you fucking idiot so in terms of uh where gideon will and virgin the the, the trio there the the three potential mm. apprentices yes. there i saw gideon as kind of the the scapegoat for them yes so he's already incarcerated for murders Perhaps they were the Mason Verger murders mm, that he's sure, been blamed sure. for, and he's been, for want of a better phrase, mind controlled, hypnotized, whatever Hannibal mm. Lecter does, gotten in the brain of influenced him, influenced yeah. him, yeah, directly influenced him to think he is, and again, kind of what happens in the TV show, yeah. he makes him think he is the Chesapeake Ripper, yes. even though he's actually not. Spoilers for yeah, season yeah. one of the show, and maybe Gideon is not a killer at all, or maybe he did. Show those tendencies. Mm. Hannibal saw something in him, cast him off after five mm. minutes, and then used him as a scapegoat. Yeah. And eventually Hannibal settles on Will as his true apprentice, mm. son, figure, whatever you want yeah, to call him. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Because I'm also calling back to the the dynamic we didn't really kind of talk about is the father-daughter dynamic in, mm -hmm. yes. and the mentor role that Hannibal kind of has with Clarice as well. And that's something he's very clearly looking for. He's so ready to tell her stuff and teach her stuff by learning about her and yeah. learning about her father. And yeah. she's looking for that fatherly role. Yeah. And you get that kind of dynamic there. He's always looking for someone to share the experiences with, but ultimately no one's ever worthy and they just sort of flitter in and out of things. So yeah. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And maybe Will Graham isn't the one, but that's why I leave it up to the, the ambiguous ending. No, like, no. And... Using the eyes, obviously, and that's the the play on the title. Yeah, I was gonna I, say, yeah, eyes yeah. are like a window into the soul. Um, the eyes are a window into the soul phrase that I used for the title, calling back to the kind of Silence of the Lambs phrase that is used in the in the original one. And then I didn't want to do the fucking Looney Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm very disappointed. I know, yeah, but I like the theme of having like 
again, transitioning from the different characters, you're confused who's who, mm. and then transitioning from Clarice's eyes as she's maybe she's finally putting stuff together and trying to work out what's going on. Yeah. That, you don't know, but maybe she does know that Will is on the take from Hannibal, mm-hmm. and she's keeping him close because it's a way she had to get Hannibal to eventually. Him. Yeah. And I, I specifically say it in there because I think that's, again, huge problem with this, with Hannibal. She's a bit of an idiot. Yeah. And she's just like, she's you're, you're run of the mill mm. fucking cop, basically. Yeah. Let alone an amazing FBI agent. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, I made sure to say, like, she's not stupid. Mason Verge is sneaking up behind her. Mm. She doesn't just get stabbed and taken out. Mm. No. She's got five years of experience. She knows what she's dealing with. She's been dealing with serial killers for years. Check those corners, Starling. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I've got you. Did you check your corners? No. She learned from her mistakes oh, yeah, and Clarice yeah, yeah. has grown. So that's me kind of having her Yeah, still no, 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 still hunting like Hannibal in that way and perhaps she does know. Maybe she doesn't and there's there's a few more you know, steps mm. down the road before she begins the hunt mm. for Hannibal again in my sequel or what? Well I was just gonna say that's the question. Yeah. Would you want this to no, no, that's what you do expect to would you want this to continue? Mm, not necessarily. I quite mm. like leaving it there. Mm. Um, and you get the you get the hint of a legacy and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But yes. my worry is then you do like the Will Graham series, and if say for example it goes out of my hands and goes into somebody mm-hmm. else's, Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they do a ham-fisted fucking, you know, the the final moment of Hannibal, he dies and Will Graham takes over. The other thing that kind of thought about legacy and stuff is Saw. And that's a weird place to connect. No, to I actually Hannibal. understand that. Mm. But yeah, the Jigsaw Killer. Spoilers for the Saw <laughs> series. Then nobody gives a shit about the plot of those. Mm-hmm. I weirdly like them. I don't know why. True. And the Jigsaw Killer builds various apprentices and heirs to his legacy and all this kind of bullshit throughout yep. the rest of the films. Mm. He's basically just in the first or second one, mm. and then the other eighteen of the fuckers. That's right. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I think there's ten altogether, nine or ten, something stupid. Can't remember now, but eight or nine. Yeah, yeah eight or nine, or whatever it is. He creates various heirs and apprentices, surrogates, almost, surrogates yeah. they're all proteges. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, and they're picked off in various ways. Some of them by him. Some of them by the other proteges and mm. apprentices. Yeah. And it's this real weird kind of cat and mouse mm. game between mm. all of the apprentices and Jigsaw and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, it's Hannibal Lecter pulling all of the strings of everyone. Mm. Yeah. But maybe Clarice is the one that will finally get him in the end. Who knows? I, I think um, Seymour Hoffman would be very good as Graham. In this I agree role. with that. I think That's that would work really, really well. And early Hoffman as well, before he's been established, everyone knows what they yeah. expect from him. I fucking love Seymour Hoffman. No, he's great. Oh, Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman is absolutely incredible. As you mentioned, Matt, mm. he's Freddy in Red Dragon, and he's great as Freddy Lowndes in, mm. in Dragon. Yeah. He's not in it very much. Border alert gets, no, but gets, he, he's, he's, in it, he's in it. But he's in it and he's great mm. and he's been in plenty of other things and has been fantastic. And I'm not going to lie, I kind of forgot he was in Red Dragon. Mm. And I was like, oh, 1996, who would be one okay like that? But Philip Seymour mm. Hoffman, fuck yeah. Why does that ring a bell? Hold on a minute. <laughs> and I was like scrolling down his line and I was like, fuck, Red Dragon. <laughs> but Red exist, Dragon doesn't, doesn't happen, doesn't no. matter, don't care. This is my world now. Sure. <laughs> my is world my, now. This is my Hannibal myth. And ultimately, this is the thing. I, I don't think I can really easily think of a Philip Seymour Hoffman performance that is bad. Yep. Really. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. He's yeah. always, always He's, fantastic. This is a talented Mr. Ripley sort of era, isn't it? Mm. Things, yeah. And Twister. And Twister, yeah. yeah. And just before Boogie Nights and stuff. Yep. Yeah, he's just, Yeah, it's a couple of years before Boogie Nights, yeah. I think, yeah. It's good work. I like it. Thanks. Yeah. Very, very nice cool. work. Okay. It's it's stronger than 
anything else. I mean, the problem ultimately becomes that people have only really tried to adapt what has already come before. The closest we got to something new territory is the Hannibal TV series, which is very highly acclaimed, probably for that exact reason. And why I pulled so much from that is yeah. because it distances yeah. itself so much from the Hopkins version, but does do something interesting with those characters, makes Will Graham the central character mm. for an extended period of time. And as, mm. as much as I said, I like William Peterson's version of that character. Sure. Hugh Dancy's version is amazing mm. and mm. intricate and weird and multi-layered. And there's a quote from the Hannibal show from Will that he says, he, he's talking to Hannibal and he says, the murders you've committed somehow I feel guilty for them too, or something like something along those lines. I feel guilty of them too. Yeah. And I played on, that was kind of one of the things that resonated in my mind, thinking yeah. of their dynamic and whether it's apprentice, father-son, apprentice kind of role or whatever it is. That mm. would be my, my plan there. Solid. Come at me, Hannibal mm-hmm. fans, because while I'm one of you, some of you may hate that I brought Will Graham into the future and he's not the <laughs> Hannibal thing. The thing is, whenever someone says, um, okay, who's taking charge of this script? It's like, oh, well, clearly it's this individual. They, they're the most fondness and affinity for the series. And then almost what happens every single time is like, okay, so I'm going to piss off a lot of my fellow fans. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've done that multiple times already, Matt. Like, yes. Fuck them. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm right. And you're right in this case. It's like, it's like sure. I, I see, Your reasoning makes complete sense to me. I, yeah. would, I would say, I, yeah. I really did kind of... As like I said, as much as I talked about this being my first season as a as a writing part of sequelizers, having the Dark Knight Rises be my first episode was the perfect intro because yes. I, I'm so deep in that lore and that franchise already. I know my Batman. I've seen those films multiple times. Blah 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 blah. Mm. The other one I really mentioned. I know when we were hashing this out, I was like, "What's the other one I want to do?" And I was like, "Oh, I know I want to do Dark Knight Rises and Hannibal." Mm. and then I'll take whatever else I get ended up with Evan Almighty shot myself with the foot there but, <laughs> but that's fine I'll take an Evan Almighty if it means I get to write my dream Hannibal script. sure sure so, yeah. Yeah. yeah nice 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 well if nice. you want to come and argue with me on the internet about which version of Hannibal if for some reason you're a Brian Cox lover we could, hashtag Cox lover uh, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, hit me up on Twitter at JLW Chambers and on Instagram I don't know how you'd argue with me on Instagram but pictures pictures Cox pictures. Just adding you in. <laughs> Cox pictures. Pictures of Cox. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all it is. I mean, days. I like Cox as a good actor. Yeah, I love Cox. <laughs> and he's a good Loop actor. Loop that in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> There's just the final, like, uh, ten minutes is just <laughs> a loop of me. I love Cox. I love Cox. <laughs> Do it manually, Jack. <laughs> Save Tim the time. Yeah, you're welcome, Tim. Come and hit me up with any ideas you have for your Hannibal franchises. I know there is a rabid fan base, especially for the TV series. Mm. And uh, I'm a huge Mindhunter fan, like I said, as well. And I wonder if we might get crossover. Some, uh, yeah, some crossover stuff there. Hit me up. Let me know what you think. Mm. If you think, oh, maybe you did a good job. Or fuck you, don't touch Will Graham. He's, he's the man or whatever. He's our perfect I'll, cinnamon roll. I'll, I'll fight you. Yeah, he, he is an adorable <laughs> cinnamon roll, but I want I want. Okay, that's actually... Uh, um, Good question. Does he have lots of dogs in your film? All the dogs. Excellent. Philip Seymour Hoffman covered in puppies. That's all you need. Or are they like big Alaskan things in there? Yeah. 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 Philip Seymour Hoffman, lots of dogs. That's all you need. Interesting. That's, that's, the, a, that's the sequel. That's a happy place. Yeah. 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 Oh, I care about that. And then he's evil. And then he dies. Yeah. People want to talk about evil dogs, Matthew. <laughs> 
Where should they not go to talk to you about Evil Dog? That's not a segue. How can, they t- how can they talk to you on the social medias, Matt? People can talk about whatever they like. Um, maybe I'll talk to them back. I don't know. Evil Dogs. Mm. Scooby-Doo's an evil dog. Scrappy-Doo's an evil dog. Scrappy-Doo's an evil dog, according to that fucking film. Mm. <laughs> Scrappy-Doo is already evil. He's just stupid. <laughs> Scooby-Doo is evil. I'm not going to justify or defend that statement because it's the internet and I don't have to. Because um, I feel that way and that's all that matters, apparently. <laughs> you can come find me uh, on Twitter, Instagram, all those things. Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can read my reviews at theredrighthand.co.uk or you can see the stuff I make, cheesemint.com and I will wear your face. <laughs> um, Speaking of wearing faces... <laughs> That's probably why I said it to see who is exactly. going to to Tim. Yeah. Tim, how can people follow you and your serial killer exploits on the internet? Um, I gave you all the clues, Mr. Policeman. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> you could have stopped me. Um, you can find me at trivia underscore lad on Twitter. Uh, that's the best place for any Tim-related content. Uh, yeah, and um, I'll be posting the grisly trophies of all my murders on there. <laughs> In a way, that is true. Mm. Mm. What about um, our collective murderous habits? The show, the things we butcher by saying... I mean, actually, think about it. We've killed so many films and <laughs> careers over the years uh, by saying, I'm sorry, no, we've got rid of Julianne Moore. It's like, oh, really? Is it? Yeah, no, no paycheck for you. Sorry. Moving yeah, on. Again, I like Julianne Moore. Not for Clarice Starling. No, not, no. Not. In a standalone thing, if you're doing something completely different, fine. Not a sequel to Silence of the Lambs. You need, jo- you need Foster and Hopkins. You need yep, it. Yep. You need it. At Sequelizers is the place to go on Twitter. Nice. Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. If you have any longer thoughts or arguments or theories or anything like that, Sequelizers at gmail.com. You can send them over there via the magic of the internet. If you would like to support us, a little bit of monetary support, we'd very much appreciate it. You can go to patreon.com slash Sequelizers. And for as little as a dollar, you can get early access to the shows, ad-free episodes, bonus content... All that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Loads of bonus content. We've been posting quite a lot recently. It's and true. we're building up uh, movie commentaries for this season. We've got outtakes for this season. We had all kinds of other cool stuff coming up as well. Merchandise and various other things. Yeah. Just an overwhelming amount of regular stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully trying to give you some value and very much trying to give back to our our listeners for being able to support us. If you can't support us, don't worry. That's fine. We we appreciate and understand not everybody can, mm. but we very much appreciate your listening and your support on social medias, sharing all around, giving us reviews is a, is a way you mm. can support us for free. Mm. Let, letting us know your thoughts on all the various places you can contact us. Exactly. It's always nice to hear from you. Exactly. Comment on Facebook just said, I've tried to tell my friends. That's actually just really fucking helpful. That's yeah. actually very nice. <laughs> yeah. That's the stuff we actually need as well as mm. everything else. So thank exactly. you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much for your support, everybody. Thank you for listening. And we... We'll see you next week.